You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 53. Let's roll. And uh, this week's episode is basically part two of our NFL preview. Uh, Had tons of fun last week with Michael P. Duncan. Thought I'd run it back. Well, it's really this same week, right, Michael? Yeah, this is like two days later. Two days later, same difference. But uh, if you missed the AFC preview, well, I don't know what the hell to tell you. Just go go listen to it. It's pretty good. You can hear me uh, start swearing and yelling about my New England Patriots, which was really fun to do. I got to be honest with you. There was a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of like anti-Jets, anti-Giants, anti-Bills, Dolphins, all that stuff. I got a little emotional. It was fun. There was a little bit of emotion. Yeah. But today we get the <laughs> Eagles and... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get emotional. It might go the opposite direction, but you know, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be I, something there. I hope I can get you emotional over that. We're going to, we'll probably, uh, uh, we'll probably do the same thing we did last time and save the NFC East for last. So you can just toil in it. Yeah. Great. Great. I get to spend the whole pod looking forward to that. Absolutely. Hey, you know what though? Like, you know, the reason we're doing this podcast, the reason we started the undroppables, the reason I got on Twitter in the damn first place, like the reason I started fantasy football, all of it is because I love football. I used to love playing football. I used to love playing football two-hand touch in the backyard at six years old. I love playing football, organized football. I love playing everything. I love everything about football. Most of the people listening to this, I think, feel the exact same way. There's a certain rip-roar and passion I got when I just think about the football season. And I think a lot of the people listening are, are nodding their heads along with me right now being like, yeah, dude, that's what's up. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, we're recording this uh, Sunday night. It's probably going to drop Monday. Like, we're a couple days away from Thursday night football, Tom Brady versus the Dallas Cowboys. Like, this is going to be so, so awesome. I I mean, you got to be pumped up, even though you're from Philly, right? You know, know, I'm about as pumped up as I could possibly be for a primetime game featuring Tom Brady and the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm excited for what it means for the rest of the year and the rest of the schedule and the rest of the (laughs) weekend. Um, but honestly, like, 
uh, from a Philly perspective, I'm just going to be a homer for a second here. Like, this is the first year in a while where we haven't really had expectations. Like, right. since the Super Bowl, like, obviously, everyone's like, oh, you know, we have that same core. We're going to win. We got a, you know, high expectations, same coach, same QB. Like, this year, it's very much like, you know, we could we could win four games. I, I don't really, not to say I don't care. I'm going to be what you mean. horribly depressed every year or every week, but... Um, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see things out of our young guys, out of Jalen Hurts. I want to know if he can be the franchise quarterback. Um, can we surprise the world? Absolutely, because, you know, that's what happens occasionally. Uh, but, like, for the first time in a while, I feel like I'm not hyper-stressed going into the season knowing what it might mean. So, You know, I, I, uh, I cheered for that team years ago with the Patriots when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. That was, you know... Drew Bledsoe gets hurt early. We had zero expectations. We got a young kid, you know, sixth-round draft pick, Tom Brady, leading us. He's not prolific. He's not all that uh, dynamic. And somehow or another, we beat the greatest show on turf that year. Anything is possible. I think that's also what's pretty exciting about, you know, the NFL season is even fans like the Giants fans think they can win it, which is pretty pathetic. But now nah, I'm just teasing with you. Giants hey, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Right. No, but it's true. Like everybody hope springs eternal. This is the spot where everybody's got a shot. And, um, you know, I mean, I think if it is true that like, you know, probably 20, 25 teams had a legitimate shot to make the playoffs and the playoffs is all you really give a shit about. Like, yep. you know, get me to the playoffs and that sounds like a lot of fun, you know? Um, so to get to the playoffs, of course, you got to win some games and we're going to figure out who's going to win, win some games here on this pod. I wanted to start with the AFC, uh, excuse me, we're on the NFC, so NFC. NFC preview. I want to start same spot in the NFC South. And uh, we'll we'll do it a little bit different than we did for the uh, the AFC. We're just gonna we're just gonna open up with who you think is gonna win the division, and we'll just talk about the division as a whole. And uh, we will talk about our win totals on each team because I've got mine, you've got yours, and kind of interesting. But I think for both of us, you know, I can't imagine uh, you have you know anybody but the Bucks. They seem to be clear cut. How many wins you got for the Bucks going in? Uh, so I gave him 13, which is one above their Vegas total. Um, yeah. I, you know, I feel like, you know, as I was doing this, I feel like when you have like them, the Chiefs, even I know for me, the Bills, um, but other teams, even maybe like the Packers, like once you get up there, it's so hard to be like, you know, realistically, I could see this team winning 15 games. Right. Uh, but like, am I ever really going to predict that? No, probably not. Not if Vegas is like 12 wins. It's like. I would probably bet on them to win more than 12 games. I but love the over at 12. But I it's also so easy to lose only four games or five yeah. games. Like, yeah. like that's that's the tough part is, you know, imagine Tom Brady gets hurt for three weeks yeah. and they lose three games. And then it's like, okay, then Tom Brady only has to lose two for the rest of the season to hit the the under or the push or whatever. So right. it's always I, tough. But I, I think I think they're this is a this is a smash over for me because they're just dope. Uh, you know, we we coined them the all twenty-two, you know, uh, because they've got all twenty-two starters returning. So anytime I talk about the Bucks, I'm always hashtag all twenty-two, um, which is unheard of in this in this era. First time and, ever. Is this right? I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. First time ever in a in a in an era where there's free agency and players are plucked from, you know, I mean, it's just very hard to keep con, uh, continuity in this league. And I don't know. I mean, that, that's a really big deal. And you're giving continuity to Tom Brady, who just won the Super Bowl. I mean, wow. I love the over. I mean, injuries aside, I see yeah. zero chance that they lose six or more games because it's going to be 11 and six. Yep. And not to mention, 
Like, they also brought back all their coordinators, which yeah. is un, uh, e- almost equally unheard of. Like, I again, you know, I'm a homer. When the, when the Eagles won, I mean, we lost our offensive coordinator in Frank Reich. Uh, that was kind of Josh McDaniels' fault, but... You're welcome. Even still, yeah, whatever. Um, Josh McDaniels like, fu- fucking people all, all day long. I love that yes, dude. He, he does. just doesn't give a shit. Yes, he did. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so like that kind of thing, like you always see good teams lose all the, what it feels like all of their coordinators after yes. a Super Bowl win. So that's, and they have some of the best coordinators in the league too. Like that's a big <clears throat> deal. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I mean, this team is going to be riding high and, you know, they're, they're, they're the rest of the division. Why don't we touch on win totals? Then we'll get into some of the, the ins and outs of the uh, of the players in this division and team team by team, but you know I, I have it: Bucks thirteen, Saints eight, Falcons and Panthers both seven. Uh, do you have yours up? What do you got there? Yeah, so I'm not far off, uh, but I so I also have the Falcons at seven, the Saints at eight, but I actually have the Panthers at nine. Wow. Okay. Uh, fun. Fun times. It, yeah, it's one of those where I feel like I've wanted to like them for a few years now. Did you forget um, that Sam Darnold is their quarterback? Or what? no, no. I think I just really believe in Joe Brady and Matt Rule. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also they have a young defense. Like, like their offense was already pretty good. If Sam Darnold can just be like half the guy that he was drafted to be, which he hasn't really been yet. Yeah. Um. But granted, I'm not going to hold Adam Gase against Gaze any fast. human being. Yeah. The Gaze factor. Um, but they've spent like two straight drafts on almost purely defense. They have a really solid young defense that if those guys can just get after the ball and play I mean like a bunch of young guys out there playing to make the playing to make the league then I I mean I think they can really surprise some people um and part of that is I think that they're better than the Falcons and I think that they have a real shot to be better than the Saints yeah the the Falcons are I mean I I don't know but how about this though like if you're you got to be cheering for Sam Darnold to like be dope because then yep. it just absolutely makes the gaze factor the realest thing ever. Like, oh, I mean, man. oh, it's so good, right? I like, love if you it. Co- right, it's so good. Like, if you're at all into football, you're just cheering for Sam Darnold to like be like. Can you this. imagine if Chris Herndon yeah. goes over to the Vikings and has like a one thousand <laughs> oh, yard yes. season, dude? It's gonna be awesome, right? I'm gonna piss myself laughing every week. <laughs> yes, like he's just like, how did that man get as many jobs as he did? Yeah, it's gonna be and great. And if he ever gets another one, it's just like, good lord, yeah, go trade a- for all of his players now in Dynasty because you know when he gets fired, they're just gonna be beautiful. Yeah, beautiful the best. Athletes. The best was that offensive line coach when he was coaching in Miami, who was cranking lines and like taking little, oh uh, my god, yeah. little videos of himself doing lines, being like. I want you so bad. And he's talking to this stripper saying all this nonsense, crazy shit in his office, like with the film playing behind him. I mean, unbelievable. Just so, so pure. Good God. All right. We've already talked about Adam Gates too much. Oh, but anyway, I mean, everybody wants to talk about the cocaine sniffing offensive line coach in Miami, sending videos to his stripper girlfriend. Nobody doesn't want to hear that story over and over again. There's zero people listening to this pod who didn't want that. Well, that's that's this pod, and to be fair, you're probably right. That's also very specific to this Thank audience. You. Thank you. You're welcome, audience. I love you. Well, oh, more yeah. stripper and cocaine talk coming. No, Perfect. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> good lord. Um, yeah. So the Falcons, I had at seven, uh, coming in last in the division. Um, and you know what? Honestly, I feel like they're a team that for the past couple of years could go either way, and I feel that way again this year. 
They have a new head coach, which maybe that's what they finally need to turn that around because yeah. Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley is Calvin Ridley. Kyle Pitts is the I next big thing. I think the defense is the problem. But the, yeah, the defense is what's been the problem. Yeah. Um, and they don't have Julio Jones anymore, which right. is not as easy to walk away from as some people might think it is. Right. He's a he's a he's a a, 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 a game changer. Right. I mean, just put simply. So let's talk about this. I think we kind of see it the same other than maybe, you know, you're getting a little excited about Carolina, which is fine. I mean, here's the thing. One of these three teams, these sort of leftover teams might spike. But I think yeah. we both kind of see it right where like none of them are, are sure playoff teams and therefore we threw them in the seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. range. Although we don't think they're terrible, although nope. one of them could very well be terrible, right? In other words, yes, you know, they're, they're fragile. Their their success is not sure. I think any of them could go from, you know, a five win, four win team to a playoff team. Like yeah, there's a pathway fringy, for fringy all of them. Playoff, yes. Absolutely there's a path for all of them. Mm-hmm. Like you can very easily talk me into I think any of them and I won't think you're crazy, which is not true about every every team or every division, but for I me, think that's it's been the, Saints, the case though. For, the South for, for me a while. it's the Saints. They've got the best defense, they've got the best offensive yep. line. Now their weapons are an issue and their quarterback is a complete question mark. But their quarterback being a complete question mark has been one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the NFL over the last few years. So it's not that he doesn't have the ceiling. It's that he's a knucklehead who throws pick sixes. And I am praying for his first pass attempt to be a pick six. I want oh this more than God, anything. Yes. If there was a if there was a line on that somewhere, oh, I so I would good. put money down on it immediately. <laughs> right, whatever it is, it'd be like three to one. You'd be like, it's fine, I'm in. Yeah, I, of course. <laughs> It, like it, honestly, like it, it you know, it, if God is really a football fan, he's he doing would make that. that happen. Yeah, it's a tip Absolutely. pass, whatever. It's ha- it's happening one way or the other. That's right. I don't even need to. I don't. I don't even care if it's a tip pass. Make yeah. it just the ugliest thing just I've pure. ever seen. Just straight to him. Beautiful. Pure. Yep. In but stride, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. 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 I will say that I think saying that their weapons could be an issue is probably a bit of an understatement. Yeah. And again. I've said it a couple times already. I'm going to keep saying it. That's coming from an Eagles fan who has dealt with uh, the likes of Greg Ward yeah. as my leading receiver the past few years. Like, Michael Thomas is dead. Traycon Smith, I guess, exists. Emmanuel yeah. Sanders is gone. Alvin Kamara is obviously their one, but after him, Adam Troutman's a little bit banged up. Like... Yeah, I think I think Marquez Callaway has yep. been the the real deal, and we you know we whispered about Marquez Callaway. I don't know. I wish I would have shouted a bit, um, but you know I've I've sort of acquired him in spots all over the place and just drafted. I just did a redraft uh, before I hopped on here and I was able to get him uh, after pick 100 something. Uh, so that was, that was exciting. So yeah, he's a, he's a high upside play. And I think the floor's there too. I think he's actually a really good play. I don't think there's really any other way they can go on that offense. I think Marquez yeah. Callaway becomes the de facto number one. And even if Michael Thomas makes his way back, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'd like to get some, do you have an update on, on Michael Thomas? I mean, he's on the PUP. So that I, six that weeks at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which I, is from what, what I've heard, he should be like, it's not like a, maybe he's ready after six weeks. It's, it, it's supposedly a, he will be ready to go once he's off the PUP. Hmm. So, I mean, but yeah. a lot can change in six weeks. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if they're one in five and, you know, he's, you know, upset and who knows, there could be some dysfunction that leads to more time missed. That's really the concern because yep. he seemed to have some issues with, uh, you know, uh, Sean Payton, uh, et cetera. So uh, the Saints are, are, are difficult. Jawan Johnson, I think, is a, a sneaky 
target in New Orleans. I think this kind of, you know, I was here listening to Hayden Winks and um, and Josh Norris, and Hayden just loves uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, he's got him as his RB2 and obviously number two overall ahead of even Dalvin Cook. And I think his his reason is because he's their best weapon and he's going to get yeah. everything. And with with uh, with Jameis playing, I think it's it's very conceivable that that Kamara goes nuclear. Um, so Kamara's a, a pretty strong target uh, for a win now team um, because the the dynasty manager who's holding Kamara may also be getting a little bit of cold feet, um, yeah. you know. And and if you feel like, hey, I'm going to buy that dip, and you know there is ceiling there and there is upside there, maybe a maybe a wise move to go to go see what that Camara owner is uh, is feeling at this particular point. I'm bought in on Troutman season as well, assuming that he's healthy. I, I've loved Adam Troutman since he came out. He was my tight end one in that class uh, above Cole Komet. I have him in, I feel like, basically every dynasty league that I'm in. Like I, I don't know my actual ownership percentage, but right. it can't be far off from 100. Um if he's healthy, I I just I really like him. I think that he's an outstanding athlete and a great tight end, and eventually it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I was kind of liking Adam Troutman, and then of course his ADP soared, right? Yeah. And it got a little uncomfortable. And then Juwan Johnson played ahead of him when healthy. This yeah. wasn't a tr- Troutman injury that made him not play on third downs. It was they just preferred. Uh, you know, this converted wide receiver to play tight end and said converted wide receiver playing tight end looks good. Um, albeit in preseason, but he looks good out there, man. And it's a, it's a, it's a little alarming. And whenever these tight ends have things that are alarming, I like to run for the hills. So at value and redraft, I'm taking Gerald Everett uh, in dynasty. I still would have Cole Komet over him. I think they, they see him as a sort of an every down player in Chicago. And right now, uh, Jimmy Graham is sort of insulating Komet's value uh, because I don't think everybody's too excited about uh, his prospects for this year because of the presence of Jimmy Graham. Uh, not that Jimmy's better at this particular point, but that he sort of will, you know, push him to the side a bit. Yeah, I wasn't always. Um, that's not a good way to say that. I, I, I've liked Adam Troutman all offseason, but I have been fading him a little bit in redraft because of the injury issues and. Um, his ADP did go up a little bit more than I think I wanted with the injury question marks. And again, I, there are other guys that I like. You said Gerald Everett. He's been a big target of mine. Yeah. Even Tyler Higby, who's a little bit earlier, but um, is still a guy that I really like at value. Um, but Troutman is, I, I, honestly, I think that a lot, he might go undrafted in a lot of places after the injury issues. He might be like, you know, a last round pick kind of guy. Uh, but he's definitely someone that I like a lot more in Dynasty Leagues. Um, even just hoping that the Saints figure out their shit a little <clears throat> bit more a year from now. So The Saints are kind of not a solved equation, but a, a little bit of a situation where I don't know where the value is going to come from, you know, this year. It's, you know, Jameis, you know, it's just kind of a, a, a weird situation. But you, you start to look down to Carolina where you had them, you know, winning nine games and, uh, you know, I have them winning seven. And and uh, I think either way we sort of see this team as a, a frisky team and you know the the offensive weapons are obviously dope christian mccaffrey comes back he's obviously the basically the 1.01 in a non-super flex league so he's kind of the the apex predator in the league he's the he's the first pick off the board and every single uh fantasy draft so you know what what more can we say about christian mccaffrey but i was going to look at the the wide receivers and of course the guy that i was 
you know, my wide receiver three pre-draft, post-draft, the whole way through is Terrace Marshall. He found kind of a little bit of a tough spot between Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I think it made him super, super cheap in rookie drafts. And guess what? He's balling out. Who could have foreseen that other than Mr. Game Theory and many others like me who who really like him? Um, So I'm really excited about Terrace Marshall. It may not happen this year. In other words, he still has Robbie Anderson to contend with and DJ Moore and, of course, the target share of Christian McCaffrey. But without a tight end of consequence and him playing the slot, I don't know. It, it, It could happen. He could sort of see a few spike weeks, especially as the season goes along. I love Terrace. What do you think? Well, let's not forget that Joe Brady was uh, his dude in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a that feels like a hand-picked draft <clears throat> pick from Joe Brady. He was his coach in college. He knows exactly what he was getting um, at LSU. So, I mean, I love that. It, it, it makes the long-term stuff really interesting because I think before signing the extension, I think the easy kind of decision would have been, okay, Robbie Anderson will probably walk in free agency. But now Robbie Anderson signed on for an extra two years. Uh, DJ Moore, I believe, has, I think he's on his fourth year right now. So next year will be his fifth year option as a first round pick. And then you've got Terrence Marshall. And it makes me wonder, okay, are they going to pay DJ Moore knowing that eventually they'll have to pay Terrence Marshall? Or maybe we see DJ Moore walk in free agency in a couple years. Um, And that's not something I would have ever really imagined even a year ago, even six months ago, um, which is a shame because I love DJ Moore. But, I mean, this year, I, I like DJ Moore and I like Robbie Anderson a lot long-term, and I, I also like Terrace Marshall. Um, and a bit of a sleeper is uh, rookie tight end Tommy Tremble. Yep. He was a second or third round pick. I forget off the top of my head. Something like that, yeah. Not um, looking, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, I believe it was a day two pick um, at a Notre Dame. <laughs> He's an athletic freak. Did not catch a lot of balls in college, which was the big red flag for a lot of um, like analytics guys, especially, but also tape guys, because there just wasn't a lot of, you know, evidence of him catching the ball. He's a great blocker, um, but he also has the ability to catch the ball. That was what he showed in athletic testing. His athletic testing was off the chart, and I think that is a big, big gold star for any tight end prospect, more so than any other position. Um So he's a guy that, again, because he doesn't really have that profile and because he wasn't a huge name like the Kyle Pitts or the Pat Frymuth, I've been scooping him up very late in almost every dynasty draft, almost every rookie draft, basically for free a lot of the time. Um, And honestly, like, I don't think he has a ton of competition. And I just, you know, I stick him on a taxi squad. I'll leave him there for a year or two. And he's already an incredible blocker. He's got the athletic attributes to be able to catch the ball. If he can just figure out how to catch the ball, I... I feel like it would be very hard for them to keep him off the field. So he's a bit of a longer term kind of kind of guy to keep an eye on. But he's a guy that I like a lot and I've been scooping up everywhere. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of guys like that. You mentioned one uh, last week with Trey McKitty. Um, There was a few tight ends. And and if we're betting, we're going to bet that they don't come through because they probably won't. There is a little bit of competition from it. Ian Thomas and Dan Arnold are – not exactly competition, but I think they're mm. enough for this season to for this season for sure. Correct, and so therefore I think there's no rush to go get Tommy Tremble. But I do agree that it's possible. But some of these tight ends, I mean, you know, last year it was Dalton Keene, Devin Asiasi, and you know, there's always yeah. these guys. And you know, the the lesson in dynasty, and this is the easiest dynasty game theory 101, is just fade everybody. 
like literally fade everybody, you're better off. But um, speaking of fading people, um, there's two guys that were drafted right before Terrace Marshall. And those two guys feel like the uh, Andy Isabella, DK Metcalf corollary when uh, the Rams and Seahawks uh, grabbed a 150-pound Tutu Atwell and 25-year-old uh, Dwayne Eskridge over stud LSU superstar Terrace Marshall. What in the hell are you guys doing? Like, I, you know, sometimes you wonder. It's like, you know, oh, you think you're smarter than the GM? Apparently, I don't know. What the hell are they doing? So, yeah, Terrace Marshall is firmly ahead of Tutu Atwell and Dwayne Eskridge. You're welcome. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Atlanta, um, I got into a little conversation with someone about Kyle Pitts. Um, Kyle Pitts has certainly jumped the shark, I think, because he's like creeping into the third round, uh, which is uh, very expensive for an unknown quantity. But I think the the reason and the, the person on Twitter had asked me basically, like, what is your defense? Like, what is your rationale for having Kyle Pitts? you know, that high and, you know, drafting him at his ADP, what, give me the rationale. And it's like, it's simple. It's upside. Like if, if I say there were two tight ends that saw 142 targets or more this year, and I said, you have to guess them. And you're like, all right, let's see. Uh, Kelsey, uh, Waller, it would like Pitts is third or fourth. You're guessing him right after Pitts and Wall. I mean, uh, Kelsey and Waller. Maybe even over Kittle. You'd be like, mm, I don't know. Should I pick? Like that's I why. would actually put Hawkinson above him. Out you of can. pure necessity, you can pure but, necessity. I don't know. Look, Hawkinson. I, Hawkinson was my guy last year. I told every single person as loud as I could to draft uh, Hawkinson last year. He was going outside the top twelve tight ends. Now he's. You know, I he's just in a shitty offense. How many touchdowns passes are they going to throw? It's like Logan Thomas last year played 100% of the snaps, got a huge target share. And it was like five yards a catch because it was just awful. Um, it could be very similar. That passing game is not going to be efficient. And so while Hawkinson might get 10 targets, he might still get only four catches for 40 yards. Like, I get you. The, 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 the target share is going to be there for Hawkinson. I just don't love buying into that offense uh, with – with premium draft capital. That's what scares me off. And look, I may be eating my words on this, but I've been fading Hawkinson a little bit. I would draft him around Logan Thomas, not, not surely ahead of him and certainly not ahead of Kyle Pitts and his upside. I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you said, but I just, Maybe the way I said it, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm getting a little aggressive. I, I just, <laughs> I just, I disagree generally with uh, that view on Hawkinson. I mean, like, I think that you know the one thing that we hope for when it comes to not getting one of the top guys is targets and yeah. catches. I mean, yes. look at Zach Ertz. Like, he was never this big athletic guy. He wasn't really even a high touchdown guy. Look most at Evan years. Ingram, though. Look at Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram got a hundred targets in back-to-back seasons, and nobody and likes that. Him. And it's well, yeah. And honestly, I kind of disagree with that. I think that uh, there's a lot of like statistically that shouldn't happen. And if you would be betting on whether it would or would not happen based on the likelihood given his targets, you're very rarely going to get it right if you're betting against a hundred success. Sure, yeah, I get and, it. 
I get I, it. Hawkinson is in a lot of time, like at least in the redrafts I've been doing, has been going after Kyle Pitts. Yeah, yeah. And I think we already know who he is. Like, yeah, it's Jared Goff, but Jared Goff supported Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Yeah, with Sean uh, Tyler McVay as his coach. And yeah, and I get, I get that. Yes, I get that. I get let's that. Not, let's uh, not put the, pin this but on it's Jared also, Goff. But, but we also can't say that Jared Goff is fucking like, uh, who's the dude? Uh, uh, blow, blow? Blow. David Blow. Blow. Like, yeah, like, we're, I, and I'm not a Jared Goff fan, but it's doing I mean, a disservice boy. if we're not giving him a little bit of credit. I think that in a bad offense, if it's a guy that's getting the top targets in that offense, which I, I mean, believe that TJ Hawkinson will by a mile. If you're going to give I, someone, if you're going to give someone credit, you really have to give David blow some credit for making the fucking NFL with a name like David blow. I mean, he must've been getting point. made fun of, right? I mean, well, made fun of in high school the whole way and somehow or another overcame that shit. How many blowjob jokes did he, I mean, it's just terrible. It's I mean, I won't make one a lot. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's the real hero here. There's no doubt. But look, <laughs> Hawkinson, as much as I love him, and I love him as a player, just doesn't have the ceiling, in my in my opinion, that Pitts has. He probably has a higher floor, I guess. I don't even know that, though, man. I like, think he does. I, like, I, th- I, When you have that many targets, I think it's impossible to not have that high of a floor. I just, we like, just don't know what, like, what are they, what are they thinking right now in Atlanta? Like, are they like, yeah, no, we're going to give this guy some time. Let him just kind of, I just. I just don't see that. I see, I don't know, and I may be missing this one. And look, I was I famously faded Pitts in Dynasty because I still think that's yeah. a lot to pay for a you know tight end in a non tight end. I'd rather situation. I'd rather pay up for Pitts than I would like. I'd rather pay up for him in Dynasty than I wouldn't redraft. Yeah, like I, it's funny. I we both like the player, yeah. and we're both just on completely opposite ends on where we actually want him. Apparently, right. like I, I I'd be fine like in a. If it was a 10-team non-tight end premium, I'd still be fine taking Kyle Pitts with the 101. Like, if you can, if you think he's going to be Travis Kelsey, and we've had, we, you and I have literally had this conversation on here before. Yeah. But I, I just, I think that value is unlike anything in fantasy. Um, but I do think this is probably a good opportunity to move to the NFC North, where the Lions and TJ Hawkinson reside, who I'm yes. assuming you probably have on the bottom of that division. I Yes, but I have one other quick thing. Okay. Um, is, is... Is Wayne Gallman a threat to uh, Mike Davis? It's that's tough because it's like it, he's probably more of a threat than people that are Mike Davis truthers and are yelling about him want him to be. But he's less of a personally. threat. But he's less of a threat than the people that are like, "Oh my God, Mike Davis is dead!" Right? Like, yeah, he's gonna get carries. I think Wayne Gallman is a good NFL running back who unfortunately got, I mean, he was behind Saquon Barkley, um, and that's unfortunate, and the 49ers just happened to have like a billion guys they already liked. I think Wayne Gallman is a good running back, but it's still Mike Davis's show until, like, yeah, they, I think, they, they picked up a guy, but also they picked up a guy on waivers after cutdowns. Like, it's not like they spent a third-round pick on this dude. Yeah, I think it goes from, like, Mike Davis with Quadri Allison was going to get, like, 70 to 80% of the running back touches, and now he's going to get 60 to 70. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it comes down a little bit. Like, you know, just ease it down a little bit. But I don't think... 60 to 70 is fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing to uh, go That's my point. That's my point. It's like... Yeah, yeah, well, that's all right. You say a lot of things, right? But that's, I mean, that's like fair, the yeah. Hawkins and stuff, et cetera. But well, what a, okay. you take offense to this? I mean, am I being aggressive again? I am so sorry, guys. Michael P. Duncan, everybody. No, just um, keep going. All right. Um, so, but I think Mike Mike Davis, you know, you sort of keep him where he's at. And 
you know, maybe just temper expectations, but like, look, Mike Davis is either going to be good or bad based on the fact of obviously if he stays healthy. Uh, that, that's always the the, yeah. the, 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 the asterisk, but whether or not that offense can kind of, you know, score and, yeah. you know, right. If that's a high powered offense, he'll be fine. If they're struggling and, you know, they've got, you know, 10 points in the fourth quarter. Well, then he sucks because that, you know, it's all about the offense, which is why I'm also a little bit afraid of like, you know, we talked about the Houston Texans. I don't want anything. You know, you just don't want players on bad offenses. And, you know, we're going to get to some more bad offenses soon. But, you know, lastly, I want to talk about Tampa Bay. We're taking forever on some of these teams. People love it. I don't give a shit. They're going to listen all night. I just have to get going. But other than that, they don't care. They'll listen for for four days straight. We could make a four-day fucking podcast. Let's not do that. you don't think? Okay. I don't we'll want to edit it. And that's <laughs> <Right>. my job. Is <laughs> your just edit it all. I lost it. Uh, corrupt <laughs> file. Sorry, it's gone. Yep. Corrupt file. Um, but um we, you know, I think that, you know, Godwin and Evans are being overdrafted, not because of talent, but because of opportunity. You know, you see them just kind of fly off the board based on name recognition. I just did a sort of a, a friends and family draft uh this evening, and like I think Evans, oh, I should almost look it up. It was he went way high. Um, and so, what do you think about that? And are you with me, sort of just kind of letting them f- fall past ADP? And if they they'd have to fall pretty decidedly for you to for you to draft them, like I, I'd take Tyler Lockett over both of them. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, um, I would not do that. But I'm also just like I have historically faded the Seattle offense, other than the running back. Um, since the Doug Baldwin days, like I just, I won't do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would take Chris Godwin as my wide receiver one in the fourth or fifth round. Like I have no problem with that whatsoever. I think I'm probably not drafting Mike Evans very often. Cause I think he tends to go a round or two higher, uh, alongside where I'm typically drafting like running backs and, uh, or my tight end. Um, but I think Chris Godwin at value at ADP isn't bad at all um, because I think that he is the guy that I, I think if I'm taking any of them, I think it's probably him. He's probably my favorite. Um, but at ADP, my favorite is the third option, which is Antonio Brown, who's going in like the ninth, eighth right. round. And it's just like his target share when he was there, when all of them were playing, I think was the highest. Yeah, and it was it, certainly over not, Mike was, Evans. Yeah, it was not far off from Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. You know, Godwin was hurt a little bit, so he was in and out of the lineup. It's kind of hard to sort of, you know, you're using small samples for, you know, on-field, off-field, you know, stuff. But but I I think the point is, is that if all three of them are healthy and out there, you know which one Tom Brady's going to prefer? Do you know which one it is? It's, well, it's part of my... In my heart, it kind of wants to be Rob Gronkowski, but I know that's not the correct. Do you want to know the answer? It's, it's whoever's the, open. The open guy. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. He's not looking. I mean, he does care a little bit in so far as like he he understands when a guy needs a little bit of action to sort of keep him in the game. But that's about it. Like yep. rubber hits the road. It's going to be whoever's open. And that's just kind of how dude rolls. By the way, did you hear Brady's uh, comments about the. He was talking about how the, the penalties and hard hits aren't really on. They shouldn't be on the defense there because the quarterback fucked up. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. So, yeah, he basically said that, you know, like, don't throw it across the middle. He he, he started, I think, by saying, like, yeah, the Ray Lewis. There it is. The, the Ray Lewis, yep. don't throw it across the middle because Ray Lewis will 
kill one of my guys, so I don't do yeah. that. So I'm like smart enough not to do that. He goes, now guys are so stupid. And I wonder who he's subtweeting with that fucking comment. I just love it. But, um, you know, they're so stupid. They throw here, they throw there. They create these penalties and the defense is just doing their job. And Tom Brady's just cool like that. He's just like, you know, y'all are fucking playing checkers while I'm playing chess. Yeah, I mean, part of it's like, all right, well, what is the NFL going to do? Like, at this point, what could they possibly do? Like, the dude is just, he's going to keep playing until he's 90 years old. Like, this isn't Patrick Mahomes who needs to mince words because he's going to be the face of the NFL for the next 15 years. Like, Brady's yeah. like, I'm going to be the face of the NFL until I don't want to be any. Yeah, he's full Sorry. D. He's full D gaff mode. So, uh, he, let's, he, he let's move on. We're, we're, let, we're, letting, we're letting the game theory just get fucking out of hand. Uh, I want to go to the North and, um, you know, uh, I'm going to just tell you how I have it. I have I have Packers with 12. Vikings were, you know, right there on the edge with 11 and 10, and then I remember they're the Vikings, so I made them 10. Uh and then yeah. Bears 6. Sorry Bears fans. Jemo, I love you, bro. Sorry. And then Lions a charity 3 wins. Like, you know, the offensive line will find them 3 wins and Dan Campbell knee-biting will 3 they, wins. Though? I see. I think the knee-biting not. not so much Penny Sewell. He's looked terrible. Woof. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did the Bengals do the right thing? Drafting Jamar Chase. Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I had the Packers at 11 wins, winning the uh, winning the North. Then I had the Vikings at 9, the Bears at 8. So that's Ooh. the big difference, I think, because yeah. I gave the Bears a couple more. You're welcome, Gemo. Gemo? Gemo. Gemo. And I have the Lions also at a, a very poor three wins. But you know what? You know who's going to carry them to those three wins? TJ Hawkinson. I love TJ Hawkinson. You're not going to get me to talk bad about TJ Hawkinson. I fucking love that dude. I, I said Hawk is chalk. You know, when you're talking about just, you know, inventing a tight end in the lab, it's it's Hawkinson, you know. and Oh, see, um, I would probably invent Kyle Pitts. But well, Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver. Well, I fair. Mean, because he's not – I mean, really, because like Gronk, Hawkinson, Kittle, these guys fucking block. Like, so when oh, you need yeah. to you need to run – it's a problem. They've got three tackles on the field. You know, it's like those guys move you. It's not, yep. you know what I mean? So really in, in terms of winning football, if you can have that dual threat now, oh, yeah. if, if you can if, build them in a lab, it's probably George Kittle. If right. he never got injured because right. he played like the reason he gets injured is because of the way he plays, which in the way he plays is why yeah. you win too. So yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. A single game. You just want Kittle out there. Cause he's going to do like, he'll, yep. he'll literally bite your kneecap off. Like literally. He, oh my, absolutely. Yeah. Kneecaps it. for fucking appetizers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So you had what the Packers at 12 wins. Is that yeah. what you said? 12, so those are over under. Um, I was about to look at that. So the Packers are at 10. Which oh, is yeah. A little Love lower the than over. I thought it would be. Uh, the Vikings are at nine, which yeah. I think we were. Oh, so I was pushed. You were over. I like uh, the Bears were at seven and a half. So I was over. You were under. And the Lions had the second worst in the league right above the Texans at four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. Four and a half is interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I think you probably go under because yeah. you've got to get five to lose. I mean, I'd love five. Five would be amazing. You can just smash the under knowing yeah. that, that five is at least a push. But, yeah, I like the Packers and Vikings over, n- namely because they get to play that shitty Lions team, just chalk up two wins there. But uh, Lions, we talked about them. I mean, Jared Goff, I don't know. Like, even in, even in um, um, you know, Superflex, I'm not excited about Jared Goff. And I'll tell you why. Number one, he's going to suck this year. Like, basically, he's going to be a bottom 10 quarterback. He doesn't give you much upside. His weapons are trash. And it's very likely he's not a starter in the coming years, if not possibly later this year. So, you know, forget him. 
DeAndre Swift is outstanding. Love him. He's probably a buy low. Um, Hawkinson, we've talked about. I mean, he's, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Hawkinson. I love his ass. So he's definitely going to get a lot of opportunity in this offense. And everything else is kind of just thrown away because even Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, uh, as much as I like him as a prospect, um, he, he, he's kind of being drafted. Um, he, he's being drafted at a ceiling, so to speak. I don't know about ceiling, but, you know, his, his ADP is inflated because of the perceived runway to opportunity in Detroit where we don't even know if that's true. I mean, we think it is, but you know, we don't know that. Yeah. I mean, I think we're more or less in line with most of these guys, maybe with the exception of DeAndre Swift who I am. I, I have no shares. I want no shares. Um, oh, zero shares. I just, zero cares I, from I, Michael P. Duncan. Ver- all the heebie-jeebies. And I love DeAndre <laughs> Swift coming out. Like, he, he's actually a local guy from my area. A cousin of mine went to high school. Well, two cousins of mine went to high school with him. Like, good guy. Like, I love the talent. But I I hate concussion issues, especially on running backs who have a short life to begin with. He could not shake his concussions last year, which was terrifying. He got the coach coming out saying he doesn't know if he's going to be ready for week one. I don't know if that's the most updated info, but even still, like he's already been dealing with pretty serious injury issues. We think the Lions are going to win three games. Right. That's not good for a running back, even no. if that running back is catching passes. Like, yeah, obviously it's better if he's catching passes. Still not good. The team loves Jamal Williams. I don't blame them. The dude is hilarious, and he's a coach's best friend. So he's not going to be the only guy there. Um, and yeah, I like again. I like the player a lot, but I don't know if I can really see the upside that I really want from him to right. say like, yeah, I want to invest in this guy because I'm not going to feel comfortable with him as my RB one. I yeah. don't really think I want him as my RB two because I don't think he's safe enough for that. Yeah, and at that point, it's like, well, I'm probably not drafting him then. So, yeah, DeAndre Swift is like the upside is all tied to targets yeah. and a dope offensive line. That's it because there's literally nothing else. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what you could make for a case. And he's awesome. I mean, he's an awesome player. But great you know, player. You know, the the coaching staff is a little bit scary with usage projections, and you know, there's certainly not going to be very many touchdowns scored. Um, yep. You know, he's going to get vultured for carries. He might even get vultured for catches. I think he will. That's the thing that really bugs me is like if it was like an A.J. Dillon type that they loved as their, you know, big badass back. But it's Jamal Williams who, you know, he's been an all-purpose back. He's an excellent pass blocker. And DeAndre Swift is hurt going into the season. Yeah, as much as I want DeAndre Swift to be the the right answer, I fear he isn't for 2021. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and it's 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 so tough too to even like him in dynasty at this point because you know what the shelf life of running backs are, and with those specific issues on this team, that's probably a multi-year rebuild. It's like, okay, well, if I don't like him this year, do I really think it's going to change in a year to the point where it's like, wow, I love DeAndre Swift's situation by next season? Probably not. And then it's like, okay, well, then he's got one more year left on his rookie deal. He's not a guy I really want to invest in in Dynasty. And obviously, I love his talent. And I think he just ends up being a guy that it's like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm going to live with it. But I'm never going to be here and be like, damn, I really missed an opportunity there with DeAndre Swift. It's like, no, because I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to feel good having him on my team. I'm, I'm not going to feel comfortable with it. And I don't think I will ever want... I, I will never want to give up enough value to actually get him. 
So, you know, BZ right now is ready to kick your ass. So yeah, let's move on to the Bears where BZ can continue to kick our ass because I'm going to pour a little bit of dirt on on on, uh, on David Montgomery. Although, well, then he'll like me better in this part. <laughs> so you really like David Montgomery? I, I mean, do. Here's the Bears now. Here's the thing where it's like the Bears are sort of coming for you. I think we're probably a year early if we want the Bears to sort of be that team. Um, I don't, I haven't looked at Tevin Jenkins as to whether or not he's going to be playing soon or not, but you know, he was hurt coming in and the offensive line was a turnstile. Otherwise, uh, they've got Andy red rocket Dalton, uh, potential starter in week one against the, you know, the Rams where they're probably going to get smoked. And then they're going to start to think about Justin Fields, who I think is going to be a stud in the league, but bad offensive line issues there. I don't know that I love David Montgomery. Uh, David Montgomery was the beneficiary of a of a dope schedule down the stretch and just open runway opportunity. Um, you know, he did get a gift in Tariq Cohen being basically. I think he's all done. By the way, I think oh, the, yeah, Tariq just... Cohen as a thing is basically done. I mean, he's going to be you know theoretic going for. I mean, just kind of you know. I don't even think he was really that good to begin with. He was I never mean, he had, good. He had that one good season, but like, yeah, he was never good. He just got overfed uh, opportunities. Uh, he didn't earn those. I mean, it was just awful. Yeah, and so, but now Damian Damian Williams is there, and I'm not suggesting Damian Williams is some sort of guy who's going to steal his job. I'm just saying he's good enough, and he's, he's a good backup. He was explosive, so you know he can he can sort of carve out a role is what he can do, and with a role. It's enough to suppress David Montgomery's upside on a team that isn't very good, that has a bad offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a little bit dubious of the Chicago Bears offense as a whole. You know, I, I even drafted uh, Allen Robinson tonight, you know, in a redraft league. And you sort of do so. You're like, oh, come on, man, please. You know, it's not like you feel so good about it. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what the Bears are. They're just sort of a little bit, um, you know, you have a hard time pushing the button. I haven't had a hard time pushing the button for any of their players. And, and the main reason for that is because they all come with a discount. Like, David Montgomery is my RB3, and I feel like almost every draft that I've done this season, like redraft so far, like I, I just did like a 14-team draft tonight, and I got him as my RB3. I think wow. I had a like a 12-team one. Yeah, a 12-team or one, I think, yesterday, RB3. Got him in the third round. Like, I love that. I love that because he is not going to be an RB3 based on pure volume alone. This dude is at least an RB2 and more than likely a back-end RB1. Um, And that's just on opportunity because I think at the end of the day, like, they are going to run the ball. I think we saw that last year. Um, Andy Dalton is better than Mitch Trubisky. Justin Fields is better than Mitch Trubisky. And David Montgomery was what he was with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. And I love Nick Foles to death, but still. Allen Robinson is there. Darnell Mooney is going to take a step forward. Uh, Their offensive line definitely has questions, but it did so last year too. And I'm not just throwing that out the window as if it doesn't matter. But I mean, like if I'm comparing them and the Lions and the DeAndre Swift versus David Montgomery, like one, David Montgomery is a much better value. He's already proven it. He's proven to be durable and be able to handle a workhorse load too. And they have actual players on offense. I mean, like if Justin Fields goes in there, that's going to be massive for David Montgomery. And it's going to be great for that offense. And maybe not great for like Darnell Mooney, because we know that rookie quarterbacks just aren't going to support to fantasy wide receivers most of the time. But 
regardless, I mean, everyone comes with a discount and that makes it makes me a lot more comfortable getting them at their current price. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I was just in a draft today and he he went uh, pick 31 in a redraft. I mean, that that is I obviously in a 14th of the second. Huh? Is that what? End of the second? Yeah, pick 31. Like I can't math. Math uh second round is 24, third oh, round is 36. Third, third round, yeah. I mean, I love that. Really? Okay. I cuz like uh, imagine <laughs> starting a draft to say you get like I don't fucking know, like uh, Austin Eckler, um, in the second round, you get a Joe Mixon, and in the third round, you get David Montgomery. Pass. Like, yeah, I'm out. Oh, Shoot man. me and lo- throw me in well, the woods. Then in the, well, I mean, maybe I just picked the I'm wrong take, guys. But then Al- in the fourth no, I'm round. Take, no, I'm taking Allen Robinson and all these guys oh. ahead of him. Robert Woods and, you know, I mean, just give but me some. you can get Robert Russell. Woods in the fourth round. Fourth round, sure. That's yeah. the thing. You can get Robert Woods. You can get Cooper Cup in the fourth round. Yeah, but I don't like, want Robert Woods to be my wide receiver one. I mean, if I'm taking wide receivers, I'd rather just pass on David Montgomery. You already have Mixon and, and Eckler, You're like, Good. Let's move on. Like that's plenty of running backs early in this draft. I want to make sure I'm getting the Tyler Lockets and the and, and, and you know and I mean the wider Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson. Lockett, that's a uh, Tyler Lockett's going in the fifth round. Yeah, well, that's a travesty. He's gonna fucking. But that's the thing is there's so many wide receivers that are such good value. Whereas once you get to like the mid to end of the third round, what running backs do you want? Kareem Hunt, Javante Williams. I'll take Kareem Hunt over, over, um, I'll take Kareem Hunt and Allen Robinson and you can have, you know, um, I don't know who, uh, David Montgomery and one of the Rams, Odell Beckham or something. No, I mean, no, come on. I'm not getting Odell. No, Robert Woods going in the fourth round. I'm getting David Montgomery in the third, Robert Woods or Cooper cup in the fourth round. Yeah, that Cor- is a very realistic scenario. I ju- I literally just did it. Actually. No, I took DJ Moore. I actually passed on both of the Rams wide receivers and I took DJ Moore as my wide receiver one. So you fucked that up too. I mean, whatever. You're well, making a lot you know, of mistakes is what the people are I like hearing. DJ Moore. I'm just no, teasing. No, no. I'm just teasing. Mm. I'm just teasing. We're coming back to this <laughs> clip because we're gonna talk about these scenarios at the end of the season. Because I need to I need to I, you're the receipt king, and then I'm the your fucking jester or some shit. But <laughs> well you you hold the keys to this fucking podcast, so you can just release some fucking that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't need to my- show I don't I don't need to show anyone when you were right, only when you were wrong. Exactly. You can just be like, listen to this idiot. And I actually would appreciate that. If you just throw some I'm fucking fine with that. Because the fact of the matter is I'm probably a knucklehead anyway. So if I'm wrong, it's totally fine. Uh move moving on. You know, um we're, we spent a lot of time with the Bears and the Lions, a bunch of shit. Lord. Vikings. I mean, it's kind of a solved equation for sure. It's like Cousins is going to be a mid-level, you know, RB2, like a, you know, a pretty solid RB2. It's wild. He's going to be a running back. Quarterback two. I'm an idiot. The dude doesn't even know how to like Go fuck yourself. He's got it. Michael P. Duncan. And then, um, you know, obviously uh, Dalvin is a top five running back. I mean, no matter how you slice it. And then you get the. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's just like sign him up, right? You know, no matter what you do. And then, um. Uh, Jefferson is just a stud and Thielen is a little fragile, but still going to see target share until he breaks. Right. I mean, that's basically the, you know, I think at tight end it's Conklin over Herndon, but neither one is super exciting. A lot of two tight end sets. Yeah. But I do agree that I think I was excited for Irv Smith. I don't think that either of them will carve out a role big enough to matter. And I think that only just helps the possibility of Adam Thielen regaining his value yes. and making it, it's going to be Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and probably no one else that you really want catching passes. Yeah. That's kind of like the, that's just what's happening there. And you know, there's a little bit of a, 
potential for an Amir Smith Marset or somebody, you know, to like pop him. up DD Westbrook or I don't fucking know. Oh, no, like, stop. You know what I mean? You know I've what I'm been saying. hurt by DD Westbrook one too many times. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But you know, yeah. it's like some, some Yahoo, whether it's BC Johnson or whomever, right? Like, you know, they, they sign some guy off the street, like somebody might do something, but ultimately you can't draft anything else there. And, you know, yeah. you can you can pick, uh, you know, from one of those guys or all those guys or some of those guys or none of those guys, and it probably won't make a difference. Packers, uh, the guy I've been kind of getting a little bit aroused by is oh, the Lord. is the MVS. Uh, you know, I obviously Devontae's a stud. Aaron Rodgers is going to be great. Uh, it, you know, Aaron Jones is going to be a, unbelievable. Somebody somewhere has to do something. Uh, outside of them, I do believe because they're just that good in offense. And I do declare, yeah, I do declare. But what I noticed was over the last few years, it's been like, I don't know, it's been like kind of like the Chiefs, where it's like, you know, there's just a bunch of guys with 40 or 50 targets, like maybe 60, you know, right in that ballpark. And it's been Lazard and Envia, which we for were, a long time it wasn't. That's the thing. Yeah, we were That's waiting. The difference. We were waiting for MVS like a year or even two ago to like, do the thing where it's like, Oh look, he's the other guy. And he didn't, maybe it's post type sleeper time for MVS. You know, I certainly, I, I, I have not dropped him anywhere where I've had him in dynasty and not really look to move him because he's not worth anything. And when I see him there, I'm like, huh, little lottery ticket. That's the way I see him. It's like, you know, he's got this big time speed. He's got a big body and he might be starting on the outside opposite of Devonte Adams, which there should be some space for the dude. Yeah, I mean, I I've actually I've taken uh Valdez Scantling in a couple drafts like as like my last round pick. Like there is no hype around him whatsoever. Right. Uh he's going into what is I think this is his fourth year he's going into. Um yeah, I think so. Um and like he's been good. He we know he can play at this level. Right. He's a deep threat and that's like a good a good player opposite Devontae Adams. Um he doesn't need to be hyper targeted to be efficient. And we know Aaron Rodgers can support two wide receivers. Like he's done it a thousand times. I mean, the Jordy Nelsons of the world, the Randall Cobbs, who used to be the number two options. Uh, they took turns as number one options, obviously, but you know, it used to be the Donald driver, the Greg Jennings. Um, and then he would just like rotate in his second wide receiver to take over a few years later. Um, but then it obviously raises the question of Robert Tanyan and how much does he take away from that? Because, I mean, he might be the best tight end that A-Rod has played with in a while, at least fantasy-wise. He probably is. I mean, yeah. no, I feel like they, great. Yeah. I mean, he's a former wide receiver. Um, you know, a lot of people... Last year was very tight, or very touchdown heavy, but yeah. still. A lot of people... Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of people will see my uh, Logan Thomas sort of love, and a few people have mentioned Tanya, and I'm always like, yeah. Like, like when I say the you know, Logan's going to be the guy. They're like, what about time? I'm like, yes. The answer is yes. Like he's, he should see an uptick in targets and usage and yards. And yeah, maybe the touchdowns won't be there, but also maybe they will be like, you know, who the fuck knows that, you know, that that, uh, Aaron Rodgers has been known to throw a few touchdowns. I think with MVS, you look at him, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to just read some stuff. He's played in 16 games every year. He's gone targets 70, his rookie year, 73. 56 63 so he's been right there in that like tantalizing target share here's the problem his catch percentage is basically 50 percent like 
So the efficiency is in there. Now, why is that? Well, mostly targeted deep. You know, he's, he's, he's 18 yards a catch, uh, you know, so that's pretty flipping good. I mean, he's nine yards per target with a 50% catch rate. Like that's, you know, that's not very typical to see Plus that. six touchdowns last year. Yes. Yeah, so like he's teetering on the edge of production. You know, you just take that target share and turn it up from like, you know, where it's at, where it's like, you know, uh, 60, 65, and just give him 90. You know, a couple, one or two extra per game where he's uh, getting a few per game. And then you take the catch percentage. You don't have to crank it to 70. You just, you know, 55, 60, and keep his big playability there, a couple extra touchdowns. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a real, you know, flexy position, a flexy player there, um, you know, who can, who can, you know, spot start for you. So I love him in best ball for those reasons oh, because yeah. of, you know, how he, you know, how he scores. But uh, even in a redraft or dynasty setting, he could start to pose some value. He's still young. I, I think in dynasty, he's a perfect, <laughs> you know, the the kind of guy that you can kind of throw trade in. for. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely. You yeah. probably get him for very little value. He, he's a perfect guy to throw in the tri- like the back half of the trade that no one's even thinking about. And there's a really decent chance that he has a couple, you know, strings a couple good weeks together, and you can just flip him. Yep, because you probably you're, get a decent rookie pick out of him, honestly. For a team if that's you're struggling, the, if you're the MVS owner, you're like, uh, and someone is like, you know, talking trades and like, uh, yeah, throw an MVS and it's a deal. You're like, dude, this guy wants MVS. Fucking here you go, bro. Like, thrilled to get him off your roster. Right, exactly, we're tiring of him. So you know, but then again, you know, he's on a high scoring offense. So I, I really like MVS, and uh, we'll go from there. I, I don't know if you want to talk anything about the AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones situation, or if you have anything on that, because I, I, a lot of people have some opinions on that. I don't really. I think it's Aaron Jones all day long. Opinions. Aaron Jones is a, is a top running back in fantasy. Draft him like he is one, and AJ Dillon will probably hold some value, just like Jamal Williams has in the past. Like yeah. I, I really think it's that simple. Um, as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, like Aaron Jones is a top fantasy. Yeah, player. I heard the take that you know AJ Dillon. Th- this is going to be a team that could be winning a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. And AJ yeah. Dillon could be the guy who's like you know they've everybody's had a game. It's like you know ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And like the grinder, yeah. All the all the fantasy points have been scored for Rodgers and Jones and Adams, and then all of a sudden AJ Dillon just you know gets twelve carries for sixty yards and two touchdowns late. You know you're like, what the fuck? Like everything in the last ten minutes of the game, it's certainly possible. Just to grind it out, win it. You know, down the stretch player who you know scores a few touchdowns. So I would actually be you know if you're spot starting him, I would look at where they're favored. If they're favored yeah. heavily, like Detroit game stuff like that. That's where he's going to get himself in the game and, and potentially find the end zone. I agree completely. And let's wow. not forget about Devin Funches. Let's end on oh, poor one out. Those who know me lo- know I kind of like Devin Funches a little bit, and uh, my brother is you know hates Funches, and he just always is like he's a fucking rubber. You know, I'm like ah, is he? He's like yeah. So apparently he's right because he's been a fucking complete bust. Perfect. We can move on. Moving on. Moving <laughs> I just on. wanted to bring up his name. Fuck you. All right, listen, NFC West, because we're going to finish on your terrible Philadelphia Eagles. I know. We're going to, instead of finishing on maybe the best division in football, we're going to finish on maybe the worst. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the most entertaining. How about them right. Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the NFC West, um, I have it. You want to go first? You tell the people what you have. Oh, <laughs> 
I have 10 wins across the board. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. Are you shitting me? All four? No, I have all four making the playoffs and all four with 10 wins. That's fun. Good for you. Good for you. Like, I just, I don't, I think the Rams are probably the best, but then I was like, but do I really think the Cardinals are going to miss the playoffs? Like, I really like the Cardinals. It's like, oh, I, I think I like the Niners too, if they're healthy. Oh, and the Seahawks, they always win 10 games, it feels like. like <laughs> yes, they do. I just, yeah, um, 10 wins across the board. What about you? That is fun as hell. So I have 11 wins across the board, except for the Cardinals at seven. Um, I, yeah, I think the Cardinals are good. I think if the Cardinals were in like, you know, a different division that they would have like nine wins or something that they threaten for the playoffs. That's I just, fair. you know what I'm saying? I just yep. think it's really tough to play the Seahawks, the Rams and the 49ers, you know, six total games. And yeah, I don't know. And, and they're not a fully formed being yet. You know what that's I mean? Fair. You know, so that's where I'm at. I, I It wouldn't surprise me if they won nine or 10 games at all. Not even a little bit. I'd be like, yeah, yep. there you go. Fucking Kyler Murray, the whole thing. It all makes sense. But he was so, he was so good until he got injured last season. True, like that's the thing that really does it for him. Him and yep. DeAndre Hopkins were huge until they got until he got injured. Huge, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the over under for the Rams and the Niners are both ten and a half. So you were a half over. I was a half under on both. And the Seahawks is ten even. So I was push. And the uh, the Cardinals were all the way down at eight and a half. Yeah. I, I wouldn't touch the Cardinals just because, like I just said, they can go yeah, n- nine or ten wins and eight or seven. I think that's eight and a half is right where they're. They're seven, eight, nine, ten. Like that's the fuck. That's where they're yeah. ending. They're not going to be a five or six win team. I couldn't see it, and I really don't see them winning twelve, thirteen. Right? They're yeah. right on that number, either give or take. So I think it's a, a great number, and it's a stay away for me. For Honestly, sure, I don't think I'd bet on anyone in this division. A hundred percent, because it's such a good division that that means there are six games that realistically I think could go either way. Yeah, I think if you like a team in this division, you might as well just bet them to like make the NFC Championship game or the Super yeah. Bowl or something because yep. you know whoever sort of the whoever makes it out of there has a very good chance. Like you know yep. when it comes down to it in the playoffs, any one of those three teams, like you're just like, oh, I've got my wagon hitched to the Niners. You're like, that sounds good. That's a fucking good team. If your wagon is hitched to Russell Wilson, you're like, well, fucking hey, I got a shot here. So I think whomever yep. it is that you like out of that division, just just bet them further down the down the road. So where do you want to start with these guys? Down at the Cardinals or up at the Rams? Or I mean we're kind of having pretty even all over the place. Uh, yeah, so. you know, so we'll start with 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 the Cam Akers wake. Um right. you know, Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle. The the answer to this question is unknown. The usage is unknown. I think I've got my um my feelings. I think I've mentioned them on Twitter. I might have even mentioned them here. I tweeted that you know the the next time that Daryl Henderson plays more than fifty five percent of the offensive snaps in a game will be his first time. That was with the runway cleared for himself. Malcolm Brown held him up. That he was did it once last season. Fifty five even, never over. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Never over. That's right. Um, exactly. He's done it once. Like 55% once, it's so bad. So that's tells me that that's the way that the coaches see him because even in the midst of, you know, tons of opportunity, they weren't like, yeah, 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 yeah. stay in there, man. You're good. It was always spelling him. So I think I'm giving Daryl Henderson 50-ish percent and then the others the rest. And I think that means Sony Michelle for most of the rest. 
Um, I mean, yeah, they cut uh, the guy that everyone thought was going to be the, the backup yeah. with an injury settlement. So, yeah, I've got a uh, receipt. King has a tweet about, you know, Xavier Jones isn't the answer. Not sure what the question is, but let me just tell you, it ain't Xavier Jones. Yeah. And it's not because I don't like him. I, I, I don't even it's just that's how the NFL works, folks. I mean, yep. you know, that's what that's what happens every time. I mean, I'm an old man. Believe me when I tell you this is how shit works. And we didn't see Sony Michelle specifically getting traded for a fourth and a sixth. Like that's not the Nostradamus I am, but I did see some somebody going there. You know, I don't know who. I don't. I didn't know. I mean, it could have been Royce Freeman or Melvin Gordon or I don't know. You know, there's a ton of guys that were possibilities to go the Marlon Mack or something. I don't fucking know, but it turned out to be Sony Michelle. And now that Sony Michelle is there, he limits Daryl Daryl Henderson's perceived upside. Um, and I think that's, that's right now, one of them get hurt. And then all of a sudden it's a little bit more, you know, potential upside, but I, 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 I'm a bit tepid with both of these guys. And I think Sony Michelle could actually be the quote unquote lead back. And, and Daryl Henderson could be this, the spell back in which case, uh, Sony Michelle is a great value right now. And, and Daryl Henderson is a absolute landmine. You know, I don't agree. I- I don't agree completely, only because I think that Daryl Henderson has also proved that he can be really efficient. I mean, like you said, it he's never been over 55% of snaps, and yet under 50% of snaps last season, he had he had points of 21, 23, 21, um, 10, 15, and that was before Cam Akers took over, plus another uh, two 11-point games uh, when he was above 50%. Like, he can be really efficient. He's proven he can be really efficient. So, and that was with Cam Akers. That was with Malcolm Brown, both of which I think are probably better than Sony Michelle. Maybe not Malcolm Brown, but also maybe. Um, I don't think Sony Michelle is going to be taking any of the passing work. So even if Daryl Henderson, and I, I, maybe there's no proof to say that this is definitely going to happen, but if he's healthy, even if he just averages 50% of snaps, if he averages 50% of snaps, which he didn't even come close to last season, he had two games above 50% snaps, I think that's going to be huge for him because I think he's proven that he's a good enough player to make that work. Not to mention it's going to be a better offense with a better quarterback who's not afraid to check it down. So I like Daryl Henderson. Um, I do agree that there's a lot more risk, but I also think that's baked into his ADP a lot. I haven't really taken him in redraft um, because I've normally just gone... Uh, running back heavy earlier, which we've talked about. Um, but I have him in a couple. Well, I actually just traded him away in a dynasty league, but I had him in a couple spots. In dynasty. I know it makes it sound like I hate him. No, but but I, here's the thing, man. What, what do we think? Daryl Henderson sometimes we're like, oh, he's their pass catching back. He was number 46 in the NFL at, at the running back position in routes run last year. Like he's yeah. not a real passing back. Like he's just not. Um, you know, he's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really dubious of, of him. Now here's the, here's the upside. It's the Cam Akers wake that we're talking about. Like, why do we even give a shit about either of these two guys? Because of the offense, right? Because yep. it could be that someone scores 13 rushing touchdowns. Like one of these two guys could easily do it. Like, it's fucking, I mean, it's definitely possible. So that's where the upside comes from. I just think that the opportunity upside is a bit capped, because they've just never really given him that opportunity upside. So he's going to have to be damn efficient because I just don't think he's going to get, you know, that much of a, 
of a share. I mean, you know, he got a a 38% opportunity share. I think his snap share was only 33% last year. I don't know, man. I just don't think they see him as that type of player. And I think the acquisition of Sony Michelle cements that in my mind. You go draft Daryl Henderson. I'm out. Well, I don't know if I'll go draft him, but I do think he's going to be better than he was last year. Yeah. Um, at wide receiver, Robert I mean, you're Woods confusing the audience. Right. I'm telling them to stay away, and then you just bring them back in. You know, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're, you're gonna have hate mail. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, hey, I hope I get hate mail. That yeah. would be awesome. Fuck Are yeah, you kidding? Michael P. Duncan. Please send him hate mail. Everybody, please. Yep. That would Any, be fucking great. Find one of us, especially Philly. Ton. Like it's so easy, you know. They booed oh, yeah. Santa. They threw batteries at every. You know, uh, like no, no, we're not doing that. No, every didn't. national broadcast for Philadelphia ever always mentions two things: batteries, yeah. Santa Claus, snowballs, at Santa Claus, and cheesesteaks. They don't yeah. know anything else about Philadelphia. There's other things. Yeah, apparently. What? Fucking apparently. What are you talking um, about? Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are both great at playing wide receiver. There's good no segue, about bro. It. Yeah, well, I tried to do it earlier. Then you brought up Santa Claus. Um, yeah, they're both good. They're both good values at where they are in drafts. They always are because there's two of them. I think Matt Stafford's going to make them even better. What do you think about Tyler Higby this year? Um, I like Tyler Higby, Higby this year a lot, actually. And you know, if you miss on the sort of Tanyan and um, uh, Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas uh, spot. Then you have to sort of decide. It's usually like Noah Fant, Tyler Higby. I still prefer Fant, but it's oh, close. I go, to, I go Higby. I know, I know. It's really close. And I, I wouldn't call someone crazy for that. I think Higby could get more opportunity and has a little bit of a clearer path to touchdown upside. But, um, yeah, it's close. It's close for me. I, I would probably – I love Noah Fant as a prospect. He, he right? just scares the shit out of me. They have like 18 billion wide receivers. That is it 18 like. billion? I haven't checked. I, I think it is. I, I know the last episode, I'm pretty sure it was four, but now it's at least 18 billion. By the way, Michael um, P. Duncan, you do this all the time. Uh, whenever there's a lot of something, you just use like this some – like you're like there's 72 uh, trillion. You know, like you just say this. This this happened a, I mean, a few times last, last week on the no, pod. Nobody's proved me wrong. So. People are drinking now um, every time you say some sort of – uh, inordinate number over a million. Do you know my this goal right? in life has always been to be a drinking uh, the game butt of a drinking game? Yes. Exactly. Michael um, P. Duncan so drinking game. That's the fucking that's, show title. If that's true, then I'm I'm in. So uh, I'm pumped about it. Uh, Going forward, it's 72 million. You know, and, and you got to drink a billion wide receivers. But I love Noah Fant. But they also have Albert O. And it's just like, can Teddy Bridgewater really make like all of those wide receivers and tight ends relevant? Plus Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. It's like, of course, not. maybe it's Noah Fant. But like, I, I, I like the the one in what three or four odds on the Rams more than on a better offense more That's than right. I like the one in eighteen billion. Yeah, the, the, the drink, the the, uh, the the consolidated target share is definitely something you want to target in. in and fantasy football, whether it's dynasty or not, doesn't fucking matter. And so, yeah, they have a perceived uh, consolidated target share. But I can hear the fucking Tutu Atwell truthers, you know, <laughs> chiming up these f- people. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get upset. But um, before I uh, make fun of everybody, do you think Tutu Atwell has a, a legitimate future? Uh, I I was ready to bet, you know, a thousand bucks that he's never going to be a a, a wide receiver 24 or better in a, in a given season. Am I crazy? No, I think I'm right there with you. I, I don't have any shares of him. I don't want any shares of him. Um, Cause the thing that I kept thinking about is this, like when you're that small, like one, I'm pretty sure the only one that was even close in my database was like a guy like Deshaun Jackson. Right. Um, that was relevant and all. 
And the thing that made Deshaun Jackson relevant in the NFL is literally, I am not exaggerating, being the best pure deep threat in NFL history. <laughs> right. Like, yes, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, but yeah, they yeah, were yeah. incredible wide receivers. But Deshaun Jackson, as a pure deep threat, there has never been a better one. He is that incredible. Go look at the stats. If you're telling me that, like, this, this is kind of like Kyle Pitts in, like, a completely different realm. It, no, it's the Henry Ruggs. It's Henry Ruggs because it's the same thing. It's like, uh, but, I, but Henry Ruggs isn't Deshaun Jackson because but they thought he was going to be. Are, they thought he was going to no, be better no, than that. No, but they're idiots because Henry I know Ruggs, they are. Uh, sorry, this, this again. This this is like a year ago, but I wasn't on a podcast a year ago to just get pissed off about it. Henry Ruggs is not Deshaun Jackson because he's not that si- like the 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 guy that was similar to Deshaun Jackson last year was KJ Hamler. The size, Darnell Mooney. The, Darnell Mooney, sure, yeah, but I mean, he's taller. But Darnell Mooney is better than Tutu Atwell. Like, I agree, but but that's exactly what I'm saying. Like Deshaun Jackson to be, to succeed at that size and at that type of wide receiver, you have to be Deshaun Jackson. Henry Ruggs is a lot like he's a he's a different wide receiver. He's a great deep threat, but he had other things to his game. He was also bigger. He was like. Uh, stockier and built better. Deshaun Jackson is a skinny motherfucker. He is a like, skinny motherfucker. I make he makes me look big. Um, You're big. That is that don't is too, let anybody, no, definitely not. Well, I'm in the wrong ways, maybe. But <laughs> Tutu Atwell is that small. And okay, if you're telling me that to be fantasy relevant, he has to be Deshaun Jackson. I'm not betting my money on that because for every Deshaun Jackson, there is literally like, and I don't even think this is wrong. Like there are a thousand wide receivers that were that size and didn't even come close to succeeding. So I'm not hitching my wagon to it. I have no interest in playing those odds whatsoever. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, <clears throat> you know, I kind of always have faded small wide receivers, and I felt like, you know, and I don't know. There was some data guys, you know, like I said, I'm the I'm the happy middle between film analytics. And I love the, the third rail is common sense. Um, you know, the, the analytics crew sometimes forgets common sense exists. They're just like, well, the data's telling me, you know, it's like, bro, this fucking guy's 145 pounds. He plays NFL football. The fuck are you talking about? Like, I mean, he yeah, it's po- it's possible. He's good. Sure. I'll fucking give you that. But what are the odds of that? That 145 pound guy is going to be able to win in all quadrants of the field. It's just not very, not very possible. And you're right. Oh, yeah. If he wins over the middle, how many times can he win over the middle before Trevon Morig just fucking kills him? You know, it's like, like it's not going to go well for a 145 pound guy. As a matter of fact, that was Deshaun Jackson's downfall because that dude could change well, the game, yeah. but he would get a catch down the sideline and, and Obviously, the defense does it on purpose. They're like, "Look, I'll get a fucking shot on this motherfucker. He's gonna go into the into the second row, and he might not come out, and that's fine." Now, all right, throw me a fucking fifteen yard penalty, but motherfucker ain't stretching the defense no more. I mean, they're gonna I will take say shots. This. At he him. was actually fairly not injury prone early in his career. That's I know, a very big figment, but yeah, it weighed no, on no, him. I mean, toward the end, yes, yeah, I'm not saying that he in the last like, two years of the injury. Eagles, he, I'm just he, saying he like, played like. Yes. Yeah. I mean, toward the end, of course, we had the shoulder, but even it's kind of like the shoulder. It's like, yeah, because he gets fucking slammed to the ground. Like, you know, it's not even like he's injury prone. He's just a human playing in the NFL. Like if I'd be fucking injury prone if I played in the NFL. So wouldn't everybody listen to this damn podcast? You're like, you go into the NFL and you're going to get injured. They're all injury prone because they're playing a fucking car accident sport. So 
when it comes down to it, playing that sport at 145 is, I don't know, man, I just don't see it. And, and I always argue about the utility, right? So it's like, what does the coach see you as, you know, and I, you know, they see him, I don't think they see him as, oh yeah, playing, you know, Z and he's going to win at all levels. He's, he's going to run intermediate routes. He's going to run across the middle. no. They see him as a guy who's like, you know, first of all, he's going to learn behind Deshaun Jackson, which that's great, yep. but that's not good for this year unless, you know, Deshaun Jackson in week two gets hurt like he will, you know. But yeah. I don't know that they're going to be like, all right, 2-2 Atwell, get in there and fucking show Cooper Cup and Robert Woods how to play. Like, what are you <laughs> even talking – seriously, like, that's fucking laughable. Not to and- mention, like, Van Jefferson, uh, what, second or third round pick a year ago? Like, I'm not even that high on him, but right. – He's still there. Well, and, Van, and Van's kind of the – look, Van is the Cooper Cup, which is crazy that they drafted him over – I think it was Ezra Cleveland was right there for him. But anyway, this is another fucking tangent. But, you know, they the, the nonsense draft picks are just incredible. But, you know, Van Jefferson is Cooper Cup, right? He's that yeah. Cooper Cup sort of guy. He's that slot technician. He's just an absolute great route runner. So if Cooper Cup goes down, Van Jefferson will play in his stead. You know, if – uh, Deshaun Jackson goes down. Tutu Atwell will, you know, spread the field and uh, sh- uh, stretch the field uh, and get zero targets like Deshaun Jackson's gonna. I mean, yeah, he might get a big, you know, a big ball no, here I and think, there. I think, think Djax is gonna get like eight targets week one. Oh, that's just because I agree. He's, just because he's Djax. Yeah, I'm with I mean, like, because I watched it happen. <laughs> Dude, he, and then he's, I he hope he's healthy that. and ready to go because he, he's gonna I be super so fun. Too. I, love I mean, DJX. Robert Woods, you know, Robert Woods. Cup and then just Deshaun Jackson, like that that's putting a lot of stress on the defense. And if Cam Akers was I I'm, so I miss Cam Akers already. Um moving on. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the Rams anymore. Moving on. Um they're too they're too good for us to spend that time. 49ers. When does Trey Lance play? Week six. Does I think that's around when Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured. Does he, <laughs> does he get the job and keep it? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, Trey Lance is such a, an interesting case study. You know, there's so much about him that is unique, you know, his school, you know, the fact that he sat out a full year, you know, how much experience he's had, his performance level, you know, no interceptions, a thousand yards rushing, his size, speed, his athleticism, what everybody's accuracy numbers were insane. Yes. What everybody says about him as a guy, like he's just, you know, all there and connected to everything and the offense he's in. Like there's so much here that's unique. I don't know what to make of it. And, um, you know, I still think it comes down to in the NFL and why we're seeing, you know, Mac Jones succeed is because it comes down to, can you make quick decisions and deliver the ball on time and on target? That's it. That's what you need to do as an NFL quarterback. That's why a guy that looks like Mac Jones, you've seen the pictures of his chubby ass belly, you know, Eli Manning, fuck, Looks if Eli Manning walked into well. a party, you'd kick his ass, most of you people. I mean, you know, well, not just because he beat the Patriots twice. And I appreciate you guys doing that for me. But I mean, you know what I mean? I'd buy him a beer. I know you would. And I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, you I, it's, he's hard not to root for most of the time. Now yeah. it is. Get the hell out of here. Why do I even, why are you on my on my team? This is bullshit. Go birds. All right. So, but you get my drift. Like that's how, you know, those athletes are able to, to perform because it's, it's a very specific thing that they are required to do. And, you know, 
um, Trey Lance has additional skills, the athleticism, the strength, all that stuff, the arm strength. But just like Josh Allen, when when Josh Allen was successful, wasn't when he was running around scoring 10 touchdowns because he's done that every season. Three years in a row, he scored like eight or nine touchdowns on the ground. It's when he threw for 70% completion percentage that his team won and advanced. Before that, they were dog shit and he was going to be replaced. So it's it's that ability that, that he's going to have to be able to do. Now, I think the thing that will happen in San Francisco is they'll scheme it for him a bit, uh, but you can't scheme oh, yeah. it all. You can't scheme it all. I mean, honestly, like Trey Lance could not have asked for a better place to be because not only do you have probably the one of the best in the business at scheming guys open, mm-hmm. look at the people he's throwing to. Yeah. Like, ignore the running backs for a second. You've got arguably two of the best yard-after-catch receivers in the game in Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, yep. if they're healthy, and you've got one of the best tight ends at yards-after-the-catch. The best. Yeah, yeah, the best. Like, literally, like, Trey Lance could do very little and just operate this offense and throw for 4,000 yards because he like he has three players, the three main receivers on his offense, can take a screen pass to the house. And there's not another offense in the league that can say that. And that's not even beginning to talk about the literal fastest player in the NFL in Raheem Mostert, <laughs> a third-round running back in Trey Sermon, and like 18 other running backs that they have that are all going to be fantasy relevant at least once this season, half yeah. of which aren't even on the roster at the moment. My guy, Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Love him. Like, yeah. like it's it, it's the perfect offense for a rookie quarterback that might be as raw as he is in a lot of ways, but has the physical talents that he has. Go buy Elijah Mitchell too. While <clears throat> excuse me, while we're at it, because you know Raheem Mostert's like almost thirty, always injured, completely dope and fast and explosive, but he needs like four touches to be the RB one on his <laughs> week. Exactly. Yeah. Four for 180 and two. Um, But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think at some point it's going to be Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, potentially, obviously, you know, like I said, fade everybody. Uh, It's possible that Elijah Mitchell is just a a jag who doesn't make the team or something. Yeah, right. But I think he's good enough that if if something were to happen to Mostert, which is very likely that something happens to Mostert, uh, Mitchell could find him in that find himself in that role. Uh, I like what you said about Trey Lance. I think you're right on the money. I think there, there's a – that's what I'm saying. Like, even if he's not great at all the things I just mentioned about Mac Jones, he's going to be given things that are a lot easier because of how, you know, creative, smart, and, you know, and everything that Kyle Shanahan and that group are. So I think you're right. I mean, I, I think he could get in there and hold the job. Uh, Scott Fishbowl, I've got both Jimmy G and Trey Lance, so I don't give a shit who it is as long as they – Give it to him and keep it. I'm good. Let's go. Let's Mac go. Jones will most likely be the better NFL quarterback this season. Yeah. Um, but there is no doubt in my mind that the second that Trey Lance becomes the starter, if he's the starter for the rest of the season, he will be a top 10, if not top five fantasy, fantasy quarterback. Yeah. The rest. Of, yeah. Fantasy. Exactly. Which yeah. I don't think Mac Jones will sniff anytime no, soon. I agree with and that. And it's 100%. purely just because of how broken rushing is like, like Trey Lance could throw for like 3000 yards, but rush for, a thousand yards and be the quarterback one. Yeah. Like he's, he's that good of an athlete in that offense, especially. Yeah. I mean, obviously Mac Jones is now a Patriot. So of course I'm going to completely bloviate about him, but uh, you know, right. So, but I, I was, I was saying it before the draft um, that I thought Mac Jones was, you know, I I would always have these two sort of thoughts in my head. One was which one is going to be the better NFL quarterback. The guy who can actually do the things I just mentioned, which is, you know, 
make quick decisions, throw it on time and on on target, and then which guys are going to be the guys that score you fantasy points. And the only reason the first one matters is because it gives them opportunity to score you fantasy points. Yep. That's it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think fantasy wise, Mac Jones's ceiling is sort of, you know, whatever, like, you know, like everybody says, Kirk Cousins, sure, fine, whatever, Matt Ryan, whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's a pocket quarterback who's not going to run, you know, for much. And so, yeah, the the the, the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning is his actual But he's always going to be discounted because of that. That's true, too. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, Trey Lance has that gigantic ceiling, and I don't know that we're going to see it this year. I'm becoming more and more dubious about seeing it in year one. I think that's why Jimmy G's there is to insulate them. Uh, insulate their playoff opportunity, and if if yeah. Trey Lance hits, they can roll with it. If not, they don't have to. So I think yeah. it's pretty smart. And I think that brings us to the Arizona Cardinals. Go for it. This is your team. I, love Car- I mean, yeah, I like the Cardinals. I like Kyler Murray a lot. I think, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but I think for fantasy-wise, Kyler Murray is my QB1 for the season. Um, the rushing upside that he has along with a very high volume passing offense is just like, there's not a lot of guys in the league that can boast both of those things because he's not Lamar Jackson, who is going to rush for a thousand yards, but only throw for 3,500 or whatever. Like there's an opportunity for him to rush for close to a thousand and throw for close to 5,000 in a 17 game season. Right. And part of the reason because of that is, you know, he's got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and DeAndre Hopkins, um, who, by the way, like I feel like people are fading, especially in Dynasty, because of kind of what happened in the latter half of last year. But like I mentioned earlier, like they were killing it when Kyler was healthy. And Kyler got injured around like what, like week 10-ish, I think, like week nine, week 10. And after that point in time, like, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins was much more, uh, I think, unpredictable. But like leading up to that, like, I mean, he didn't have a single game below nine fantasy points and only two games below 18 fantasy points uh, leading up to their bye in week eight. Um, And it definitely fell off a little bit after that, but he's still, I mean, there was one game where he had less than seven targets. I mean, he is the alpha in the offense. It's not even close because after that, they've got guys like Rondell Moore, who I think will have a role, probably not an overly relevant fantasy role this season. I like him long term. I think he's a great athlete, but I think he's going to be mainly a gadget guy this year. And then AJ Green, I guess Larry Fitzgerald is retired, so they replaced him with slightly younger Larry Fitzgerald and AJ Green, I guess. Um Christian Kirk, whatever. Like it's DeAndre Hopkins and it's everyone else. And Kyler Murray knows that and he's not afraid to target him like that. And that is something that I feel like we always ask for, we always want, and we have with DeAndre Hopkins. So let's not overthink it. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, in the undrafted uh listener league, I um uh, you know, Dan AWL Sabermetrics was always giving me shit for having uh, DeAndre Hopkins too low in my dynasty rankings. He's like, come on, man. He's fucking guys and stuff. And I got uh, DeAndre Hopkins in that league as wide receiver 15 at the 505. So, yep. you know, yeah, I was like, I already had Devonte Adams and I was like, well, fucking A. You know, it's, it feels like a win now team. Wide receiver 15 is great value. I might as well just push the button. Now in a, in a, in a deep 14 team deep starting roster, start 12, Dynasty League, DeAndre Hopkins isn't the greatest player to own because he's not going to fetch much in return. So if I'm not competing, I really need to find a competitive team who's willing to just give me a single first form, and that might be as 
the best I get back for him. So whereas if I had taken a you know a player like Chase Claypool instead, who went one pick after me, which is a perceived mistake on my part, by the way, um, mm, it might. I, be. I mean, I th- I think you made the right call. It's very close. It was. I was sitting there going, "What do I do?" And you know, in some ways, I was like, "Let's just try and win this thing." Like. I certainly would, if it was redraft, I'd take Devante, uh, excuse me, DeAndre over Claypool. But, you know, obviously in Dynasty, they're pretty close. But I still think most have DeAndre Hopkins ahead. But in that format, you're really incentivized to to have a less fragile roster because it's so deep, both in yeah. teams and lineup. But nonetheless, the point being is you're right. He is sort of a a, a value in, 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 and actually even in redraft. Sometimes he's going well behind the – AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, you know, yep. a tier where he slips into the third or something like that, where you're like, you know, wow, this is incredible value. So, yeah, if you can, you know, take uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the third round of a redraft league, s- snap that up. Yeah, I, I think the dude's a monster. And honestly, like, I just, I don't know if there's a ton else to talk about. I no. like Chase Edmonds this year in redraft. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's probably a good value if you really think that he's going to be the lead back um but uh, i don't know i i haven't ended up with him in a lot of places uh because again i'm not convinced one way or the other so i normally find myself going in other directions like i'm normally taking shots on wide receivers there as opposed to those kind of dead zone running backs yeah i've taken a uh, i did a hero rb approach uh with just Najee harris and then you know i think i had aj brown julio Allen robinson kelsey you know i kind of built a roster like that and i was you know, a little bit later. And I, I think I took Sermon and that was my RB2. And it's like, uh-oh, you know, I need someone who's going to play. Like Sermon might not even play week one or whatever. And yeah. Chase Edmonds kind of fell to me right after the Sermon pick. And it felt good because it was like, all right, all right, you know, this might be just the 10 fantasy points I need, you know, to sort of help, you know, supplement this roster, you know, where, where I need it. And so I think in that way, he's, he's definitely a great upside pick. I was also listening to, uh, you, you guys probably listen to JJ Zacharyson, and certainly friend of the show. And w- uh, he was talking about the ambiguous um, backfield, you know, situation and, yeah. you know, where there's two mid round guys, you know, in this case, it's, um, you know, Edmonds and, and Connor. Connor, you know, how much more often that first running back in ADP is hits versus the second one. I know it kind of goes, you know, you're like, yeah, no shit, dude. But you know, it's you, you want to target these ambiguous backfields and you know, Edmonds kind of fits the mold of the guy that could break out for sure. Pass catcher. He's probably going to get the pass work. Yeah. Pass catcher in a fast paced electric offense. Even if they split the work 50, 50, I'll take a 50% back in that offense, especially with the pass down work. Now I might not yep. get goal line, but whatever. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Seahawks, um, not, I love them. Obviously, Dwayne yep. Eskridge, you know, huge. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, sorry, I was trolling Dwayne Eskridge truthers too. Love it. Uh, I actually like Eskridge, former cornerback, really cool dude. But to draft him ahead of Terrace Marshall in the real NFL and for someone to actually think that this is a, a dynasty by age 25, stop it. Just stop it. Yeah. He's a, he, you know, he's a rookie and he's the same age as Amari Cooper. Get the fuck out of here. So, I mean, I know he's not really, don't at me, but um, yeah. So I don't think he's far off though. No, I, I mean, this is another consolidated uh, team, which I love. You can really just plan on, you know, you take DK or Lockett or even Gerald Everett or Carson, uh, obviously Russell Wilson. I think, you know, look, they replaced the offensive coordinator, <laughs> Pete Carroll. They kept fucking, running backs and four <laughs> wide receivers. Like they're so I, fucked. I just, 
Like the, the world knows what they're gonna do. Yeah, it's so fucked. Like, I I, mm, <clears throat> I can't. I I will never. I don't think I will ever own any shares of DK Metcalf. By the way, pour one out for Tamori and Terry, who's being charged with murder. No, well, no, big. Let's not pour one out for him. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he. I don't. Clearly, he does not deserve that. Jesus, um, man. Assuming that he's uh, guilty. Remember um, when he was a thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, he, you know, it's like the. And he wasn't. Yeah, it's like the Homer Simpson going into the thing. You're like, Oop, I didn't say anything about Tamori yeah, and Terry. Hat. I don't yep. remember his ass. But uh, oh, let's move to your beautiful NFC East, where oh, the Philadelphia right. Eagles are the clear favorites returning Super Bowl champion from five years ago. And they're here to dominate again with the best roster in the NFC. Am I right? Only four, only four years ago. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you should be. Um, no, so I have them coming in second to last. I have the Giants coming in last with six wins. I have the Eagles with seven wins. I have the Cowboys and Washington both with nine wins with Washington winning the division. Yeah, it's impossible for you to pick the Redskin, excuse me, the football team or the Cowboys to win more than nine games. I love it. You just pick uh, abject mediocrity when your team is like just below. You got to do what you got to do. It's really well done. I picked uh, Giants for five, Eagles for seven. You said Eagles for seven? Yeah, I said Eagles seven. Wow, look at that. You and I agree. Yeah, I'm like, I, 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 I'm a homer, I guess, but like, I think I'm a smart homer. Like, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, like, I have very low expectations coming into the season, but like, there are very real, and this is the thing that, like, I don't want to sound like a homer, but, like, when you, if I was looking at it from an outside perspective, if you told me, like, a year from now that the Eagles ended up winning 11 games this season, I wouldn't be shocked. Right. And that might sound really stupid. And obviously, if they win four games, maybe that sounds stupid. But, like, I legitimately think that their range of outcomes is anywhere from, like, three to four games to, like, 11. Or yeah. 12. <laughs> I, 12 like, may be a little bit of a push, but yeah, probably not 12. I don't know why 11. And t- I, I threw it out there. I was like, as soon as I said, I was like, now nah, 12 is too much. <laughs> yeah. You're like, there's, there's only one more than 11. Let me still. see how far I can push this. No, you're, you've, you've found the, That's uh, too you've far. Found it's the, 11. Found 11 the is the range of outcomes. Yeah. Um, I hear that. I mean, I think, you know, any football team could get hot and, you know, I mean, we've seen it uh, too many times for me to disagree with that. Totally. I, I do agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I think the more most likely is that they're somewhere in that middle where they're not, you know, they're yes, you know, seven to nine wins, you know. So what was their over under? Uh, that's a good question. Um, the over under is six and a half, yeah. which it's a really good line. Yeah. I'm tempted to take the over. You should take the over. I don't see any reason. I think honest if we're being honest, I'm pretty sure I uh was at a Phil- well, I was at a Phillies game. That I'm sure of. I'm pretty sure I drunkenly bet the over uh about a week ago. Good for you. So Good I haven't looked you. yet. I'm gonna look once the season starts. Um, but I'm pretty sure I did. Don't know how much money I put on it. Just bet against them every week to hedge. Well, that's that's a good call. Um yeah. But uh the Giants actually they they have the lowest over under in the division, which I'm kind of surprised about. The Giants have seven. What? Um, yeah, the Washington Football Team wait, is eight wait and a half. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, yep. This is an emergency broadcast alert to all listeners. The Giants are seven over under. Did you yep. just say that's accurate? Yeah, for Vegas. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So they have to win eight games to beat you. Go smash the Giants under. Just smash it. That is that is a terrible line. I th- I mean, what the fuck? I mean, they have to go eight and nine to beat you. I don't I don't know. I I like the I like the under a lot there. 
I picked them for five. You picked them for five. I didn't even know it was seven. I picked them for six. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, yeah. They got to win eight to beat. It's mainly, it's mainly because it's the NFC East. Right. Yeah. But they're they're going, they're, they're going to beat Dallas. They're not beating once because it's just going to happen. Get out of here. No, they do. No, hold on. Hold on. Division games are division games, but the NFC East is a shit show every year when it comes to division games. They never beat the Eagles, which is stupid. And I don't get it. Like their record against us is putrid in the past. Like, 12 years but they have like a they might have a winning record against the cowboys like it, it makes no sense it's really dumb but it happens every year they have like so. seven million losses against the, the eagles they they legitimately do seven like eli million. manning beat us like three three times i'm pretty sure three. They, that's more than that. is that the reverse I, of the million thing where it's only yeah three times? it's it's just yeah i think you it, just to be safe folks drink um, so here, well, yeah, <laughs> you might I, want I think that means you have to throw up a shot <laughs> sure that's how to that give works. back. Like, yeah, yeah. Go to jail. Don't pass. Go. All right. Listen, exactly. The Cowboys were the fountain of fantasy goodness last year. I think they're going to continue like to be weeks. five weeks, four and a half weeks. And by the way, all my, uh, coronavirus leagues that I joined, I fucking took Dak Prescott and every single last one of them and then was ready to just print money, win every damn dynasty startup I started, and we all know what happened, and that one hurt. That one hurt a lot. Did not like that. Um, So hopefully he's back and ready to go, and I don't think anything changes. This team is going to be awesome on offense with Dak healthy. If Dak is healthy, print money. Uh, DFS, all of it. That's why I like the – what's their over-under? Uh, it was nine. Nine's crazy because what's interesting, That's, yeah. what, what's interesting is usually you have the Raiders and the Steelers and especially the Cowboys with the, the public, um, you know, juice because there's so, yep. there's such a public team. Everybody bets you over America's team. I guarantee you there's got, you're paying out. big juice to, to take the over. So I don't know if I'd pay the juice, but if it was even money, I'd, I'd gladly take the over nine because you got to, they got to win eight to beat you or, you know, they got to win eight to yeah. beat you the wrong way. And so I don't know that they're going to do that. I, I, I feel really good about them winning nine or more. I had them at, I think 10 and I, I love the, the football team at 11. Um, CD Lamb, wide receiver one in Dynasty, or is it AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson? I'm just gonna say I'll say Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, AJ Brown. There you go. There it is. And I hate and I hate my answer. Of course. No I matter already what, hate my answer. No matter what answer you give, you hate it. Now, here's the next question is DK Metcalf in that group or is he's he in last. a different group? He's last. He's behind all of them. He's in a different group? Like a like a yes. slight step down? Different tier. Different tier. Fair. Yep. He's he's uh like he's he's not even close to me actually. Whoa! All right! All right! All right! Hey, easy. Now. I I I told you I've 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 long since faded Seattle. I <laughs> I just I don't I don't trust that offense. I don't. <laughs> Russell Wilson is great, but I just I don't. I've never trusted a wide receiver that he that he throws to. I mean, and it's one thing. It's one thing if it's Tyler Lockett and I can get him in the fifth round of a redraft league. That's fine. But I'm not draft like if we're, if redraft I'm not drafting DK Metcalf in the second round. So and you, if must it's liked, seat, you must have liked my uh, my silly trade where I traded DK for 23 first and Jamar Chase. Or are you out on Jamar absolutely. Chase? Yeah, you like that one? No, no, I, I I like Jamar Chase more than I like DK Metcalf. Yeah, in the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational, he was the wide receiver seven. Uh, when in that league, I mean, you know, it, obviously it's one league, but it did go AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, CD Lamb which is interesting. And then 
Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and then Jamar Chase. So Jamar Chase over Calvin Ridley. I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if I – and then Ayuk over guys. I mean, I was just like, wow, this is so interesting, you know, because it was definitely a little bit different. Like I said, just leaning young in that in that league. It was just pretty cool to watch. So, And that's insanely different from the listener league where DK Metcalf was the wide receiver one off the board. He was. I saw that. It was Metcalf, Jefferson, Hill, Brown, Lamb. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, CD was a value in both both uh, both leagues as he went wide receiver four and wide receiver five, which is pretty good. So, yep. you know, CD Lamb is my boy. Everybody knows that. You know, I've got the, the, you know, the oldest damn receipts on CD Lamb being wide receiver one that there could be. I just felt like, you know, you just sort of see that kid and you, you sort of go, yeah, what? I mean, come on, you know, and and um, we, we were afraid he was going to be a little svelte and, you know, be a little bit m- too skinny. And he ended up, you know, what was he, 199 at the combine or something like that. So, you yeah. know, he's got a, just enough girth and body to withstand, you know, NFL hits. Uh, and he, he stood up to it this past year and, uh, you know, knock on wood, obviously, let's hope he doesn't, you know, get hurt this year. And, uh, you know, with Amari, Gallup, and CD, I'm just going to love this offense. Uh, can't wait to watch him on Thursday night against arguably the best defense in the NFL. And, uh, you know, so. And their defense is horrible, which is only better for, better for the offense. Fantasy purposes. Exactly. And also, just to be really clear on something real quick. Yeah. Yeah, CD Lamb only weighed in at 199 or whatever it was. And we both went on a pretty long rant earlier about how we hate Tutu Atwell. For just for all listeners, like that is not the same thing. Weighing 145 is very different than coming in a little bit light at the combine. Tutu Atwell is basically a child. Yeah. Like they, they, there's just I, I just I want to be very clear on this. So no one got like the oh, but you said this about Tutu. It's like, no, it's it's very different. He like, literally weighs 60 pounds more than him. I yeah. Know. And like you <laughs> like, yeah, like there is a very large difference. Yeah. So I just I wanted to put that out. there. Just so, lift so 60 pounds, like, like just go grab something that's 60 pounds. And that's the fucking difference between them. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, we're, we're we're running long. Big fucking surprise. But um, yeah, I mean, so do you think. I mean, in, in regards to your Eagles, uh, you know, there's speaking of weight, Devontae Smith. Um, there's been a lot of talk about his weight, and it, I feel like it's kind of much ado about nothing because, again, it's the utility of the player I go back to, and he's going to play everywhere. He's going to play slot outside, down the field, across the middle. Um, you know, he, he also scares me a little bit that he might get hurt. There's no doubt about that, but I think the utility of how they're going to use him is all over the fucking place. What are your thoughts about um, about Devontae and how confident are you he's going to be, you know, what you guys need him to be? So he was a guy that I, I wasn't really that big on at first, and it's because of a lot of the red flags. Like when I was early in my process of scouting these rookies, um, and then I'd say maybe a month before the draft, I really started to buy in, and then obviously he eventually got drafted by the Eagles, which uh, made me buy in a little bit quicker after that. But I was already kind of coming around to him. Um, but I just, you know, he's been lining up mainly at the exposition and with Jalen Rager being your main Z and sometimes a slot guy. Uh, but you know, he can get open. I mean, like there's a, there's a clip that was going around on Twitter where he just absolutely destroyed a guy in the preseason with a route. And like that happens consistently at practice from all the things that I've read and watched, like he's legit when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's the thing, like 
yeah, he's small, and that is something to worry about. But if guys can't touch him, then they can't <laughs> right. touch him. Yeah, he was great um, against press, and he, he's a, he's yep. an outstanding wide receiver. You know, I think I shared the the stat, which I always like to recall, which was the PFF stat. PFF College had put out uh, highest rated uh, wide receiver when targeted in college football last four years, and it was A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith, and it's kind of like, yep. oh, well, that's a pretty fucking good list to be on top of two years in a row. So, yeah, I think he's good. And I think he's yeah. going to be good. And the question is, is Jalen Hurts good? Uh, we know he's good for fantasy. We know this. That's a solved equation. But the question is, is he good at, you know, making quick decisions and delivering the ball on time and on target? Is he good at that? And will he be able to stand the test of time at the quarterback position in the NFL and and be able to utilize Devontae Smith? That's a question. I honestly don't know. Right. And, and I think anyone that tells you that they know, they, they're lying. Like, they don't know shit. No one knows shit. Because the people that are closest to this team don't know. They want to buy in, and they want him to be the guy because he's got every intangible that you could possibly ask for. He is the right attitude. He's great with the press. He answers all the questions correctly and honestly because he's just he's out there. He's like, look, nothing is guaranteed for me. Like, I am uh, a thing that has become kind of like a like a theme for their team this year is uh, rent is due every day or whatever rent's due every month. Like you can't just get by on what you did last week. Like that is his attitude every single day when he goes in. He treats every day like it's the last day he might ever play football. I don't know what that's going to mean for his uh, future in the NFL. I mean, he could go out there, and sometimes it just doesn't matter how hard you work if you're not throwing accurate passes. I think he's got enough to make it work. And that's why he's going to be successful for fantasy. Um, he is going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback this season if he starts 17 games, which I don't know why he wouldn't because he's always been fairly durable. Um, but I don't know what it means for his future. And obviously that's horrifying for Dynasty. Um, but if you're a win-now team in Dynasty, just go trade for him because more than likely you are not going to have to pay the cost that you would for a normal top 10 Dynasty quarterback in a season. Um, and the upside is that he keeps the job. Um, but the realistic side of it is the fact that the Eagles have the possibility of three first-round picks next year, which will put them in the driving seat to get Deshaun Watson or trade up for whomever is the top quarterback in next year's draft. If Jalen Hurts is not the guy. Fair enough. I think I think that's I think that's fair as a team uh, spot. I, I agree. I, I think we don't know. I think the best sort of you know model to look at would be the Lamar Jackson model, where you know Lamar played half that season and we weren't exactly sure. And going into the next season, then he was the MVP. I'm not yep. saying that that's what is going to happen with Jalen Hurts. What I am saying though is that. You know, our uncertainty doesn't mean that it's not going to work for him, and and yes, I think that exactly. I think the biggest thing though is going to be the coaching because, you know, they got Greg Roman to help uh, Lamar Jackson and to craft the offense around him in a way that highlighted his skill set. You know, that play action, the you know the tight ends crossing the middle, and you know all those easy throws for him, where his athleticism puts pressure on linebackers and on the defense that creates the open spaces like. This is kind of obvious geometry, but not all NFL coaches get it. Jason Garrett. Yep. Um, you know, they, uh, yep. they just sit back and call the same fucking stupid plays over and over again. 
and it's infuriating if you're a fan, but that's just the way it is. So we have a we have an unknown coaching situation. There's been some red flags for sure. If you're a Philly fan, I'm sure you know all about them in terms no, of uh, overblown a little bit. Very, just, no, very overblown. Whatever. Look, sorry. Uh, being entrenched in the Philly media means that half my Twitter is literally the same article about that one interview that Nick Sirianni did. So I, I realize that not everyone has to like read that article for the last like three months, but I've had to. So. Fair enough. But I'm just saying it's not like he's he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. He's good. You can't no, say and that. I, you can't say that about any court or any coach that's ever been hired, you know, within the first year. I mean, that's Doug what Peterson, I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you completely. That's I just, what I'm saying. I, we don't specifically know. that that first interview and everyone flipped the free, flipped the fuck out. Or <laughs> it whatever, was weird. But, you got to at uh, least it, admit no. It was, absolutely, it was weird. It was very weird. But I'm so sick of hearing about it because he's been great since on interviews. And also, interviews don't matter. Interviews they, don't they, matter. No part of being a good head coach, which pissed me off even more. Well, Greg Popovich um, would disagree with that. Well, that's fair. Um, but I will say that Nick Sirianni absolutely does seem like the type of coach that will build an offense around his best players and their skill sets. Like, I that is so. something he has preached since day one. And that is not something that a lot of coaches will openly talk about and do. Like, I mean, trust me, I had Chip Kelly. Like, I get it. Like, Chip Kelly was all about his system and finding players to fit that. Nick Sirianni is the literal opposite. Well, that's good. Um, but exactly what you were saying about Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, like, that is why the upside of the Eagles is surprising the world because Jalen hurts is the type of guy that you don't know enough. Like other teams don't know enough about. And he has the physical attributes to be able to carry a team in a way that Lamar Jackson did. And honestly, like they have the players to do it on offense. If the offensive line is healthy, Miles Sanders is there and is a great running back. If he can figure out how to catch the ball, if he can't, you have Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, who are great pass catchers. And on top of that, you have probably the best one-two punch at tight end in the league because Zach Ertz is not as washed as he might have looked last year. John Smith and Hunter Henry are pissed off at you right now. I don't care if they're fucking pissed off at me. I said enough about them last time. But that is they they. Zach Ertz, if there's one thing he's good at, it's going 10 yards, catching the ball, Travis, and Travis, falling the foot down. Hey, Travis, fuck Travis down. Kelsey and Blake Bell are fucking mad at you okay. right now. Well, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, George Kittle and... Uh, Ross actually, Dwelly. Yeah, yeah, Ross Dwelly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Hayden Hurst and uh, Kyle Pitts. Whatever. Yeah, well... Whatever. Your Eagle okay, Homer that, fucking... not bad, actually. <laughs> your Eagle Homer... That's actually probably the best one. But, um... Look, I was that, very yeah, might be, actually. I was very respectful of your Eagles, even though you were completely disrespectful the entire last podcast to my New England. I Patriots. also I also gave them seven wins as opposed to your twelve with a rookie quarterback. I thought I was pretty conservative with the Patriots win. I mean, normally That's they ridiculous. go undefeated. They're seventeen games. They could easily go seventeen and zero. So I thought twelve was. I mean, I gave them five losses the fuck i mean how are they going to lose five times it's almost inconceivable so i'd like for you to rethink that comment but i want to go home <laughs> the, the you are home i mean well technically you're home i know i don't feel like it though i know i've i've made i put you on the road this is good stuff um but but in terms of the eagles i want them to be good like that team seems fun as fuck like you're right the tight ends Devonte smith like give me some rager going deep hurts like just you know, rip and run. Wes Watkins run. Like, it's gonna, is a oh, yes. deep sleeper in Dynasty Leagues. Go pick him up if he's on your waiver wire. He's a deep, 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 deep sleeper. But Quez Watkins. Yep. He's like a Darnell know. Mooney type for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. Uh, I, I, probably like four tiers below him, but yes. No, no, exactly. but I mean that that, that type of Type prospect. of player, yes. Yeah. Yes. Where, yes. you know, hey, if he pops, that's what he's going to be able to do. He's going to be able to yep. 
to to beat guys down the field and if he can make some yep. plays and look it, it, it's all going to be if Jalen Hurts can deliver. Game. Yep. Now to my Super Bowl prediction of the Washington football team meeting up with the uh Los Angeles Chargers. I love this football team, man. I know they're in your division, but I love everything about this team. They're impossible to not want to root for. Bingo. I agree with that 100%. Like Ron Rivera comes in and takes this bunch of hoodlums that are, you know, looking up women's skirts as they go up the steps. I mean, this was the accusations. Like, what the fuck, man? What is this? You know, sixth grade in 1982. Like, what are you guys doing? And, you know, so then you get Ryan Fitzpatrick, just the absolute, you know, stone cold nuts as far as the the most likable quarterback in the NFL. And you replace, actually, I'd say you replaced the most likable quarterback in the NFL in Alex Smith with the second most likable quarterback in the NFL with Ryan Fitzpatrick. GTFO. Get the fuck out of here. First of all, Alex uh, recovering, Smith. Recovering, recovering. No, not, not sympathetic, always. Sympathetic, not, not likable. Well, he's extremely likable because he came back from what he came back from. How many times has anybody been like, dude, you watching the game? Fucking Alex Smith is on. That's never happened, not once. And it will happen. This year, when it's, it's a, like, it's dude, a, it's a different type of like. Yeah, it's, it's like you like him, like he was if he's gonna marry your sister. Well, yeah, of course. I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick to marry. That's what I'm sister. saying. You want Alex Smith? You're like, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. But he's like, if win. I could give a Super Bowl ring to one quarterback, you know, it would absolutely be Alex Smith. You're working the grill, you're flipping burgers, and Alex Smith comes over and he's been dating your sister. You're like, hey, what's going on, buddy? Like, yeah, he's yeah. likable like that. I don't give a fuck. You know, come on. If there's one thing that I've said too much about this offseason, it's Logan Thomas. I mean, yeah. My chips are in the middle. Like, I don't know what to do. I can't get them out. So I might as well just keep pushing chips in and seeing if you guys fold. Or if the card comes, looks like I win. I can't can't get the money out of the pot. It's already in. Nothing I can do. Yeah, that's fair. It's true. That's fair. I mean, it is. It's true. I got caught. You know, someone called me on the turn, and I'm like, oh, shit. This bluff has to keep going. So I'm either going to hit the card or I got to just keep pushing. There's nothing I can do. You're in way too deep now. Way too deep on this Logan Thomas situation. I mean, he's a former quarterback. What the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I? I mean, he might he might realistically be the fourth option on this offense, and that's the that's the scary part for me. (sighs) Well, I mean, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson. Here's what I will tell you: they extended him. And he is playing every down. He is a leader on that team. Ron Rivera loves him. He is going to be a stud this year. You watch. I, I Hey, I hope so. I like him. I'm a fan. It's happening. By the way, he went pick 53 in this redraft league I did. I I, I was shocked because I was like, you know, I already had Kelsey, so I was going to probably have to miss out on him anyway. I'm not going to take him, you know. Yeah. But I was like. I was like, fuck, he's going to slide and I'm going to be so pissed. I should have just taken like Devante or something instead. And, you know, I could have gotten Logan. To, and he goes, pick 53. I'm like, whoa, who's this person that likes Logan Thomas more than me? Or maybe they listen to the pocket. Maybe they're using my rankings. I don't know. But that, that was like, whoa. So, yeah, Logan Thomas, uh, you know, and, and, and I mentioned uh, did the pro tip tweet this this week. And a lot of people were saying, Hey, Logan Thomas is being drafted all over the place. I heard, uh, I think it was Joe Dolan of, um, what is it, Fantasy Points or whatever. He was, he was, he had him as like his tight end five or six. So, 
I'm not the only one out there, uh, you know, with the Logan Thomas love. And I just think it comes from, you know, you, you want target upside, you want efficiency, uh, regression, you know, to the mean. I mean, in other words, he couldn't have been less efficient because of how awful that offense was. And I think you're just going to see, you know, just better efficiency. Look, he had 40% of their passing touchdowns last year. I'm not suggesting he'll do that again, but if he gets a good touchdown share, his touchdowns will go up because they're unlikely to only throw 16 touchdown passes as a team this year. Over under, you think you're taking the over there, Mr. Duncan? I would probably take the over. Right? I mean, what a shit box of, of losers they were last year at the quarterback position. Throw 16 total team touchdowns. My goodness, Aaron Rodgers does that in like two or three games. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a mess. Now let's talk about who's going to the damn Super Bowl for real. Who do you got as your one seed? Obviously, we're both there with the Bucks, right? I mean, it's just so hard to pick against them, right? Yep, I have the Bucks as the one. I think we both have the Packers as the two. We do, also, right? Yep. yep. Uh, then I have the Rams winning the West, even though they all have 10 wins and they're the three seed with Washington as the four seed. Yeah. So I've got basically that same type of thing. I got the 49ers winning again. It's super close. I've got all of them at, at 11 wins. So you pick your poison, but we both have, wow. So you have the Rams and then the three NFC West teams as the wild cards, huh? Yep. That's and fun. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't even think that's crazy. No, it's like, not really. I, I don't think that's insane at all. It's not insane. I mean, you are an insane person. Everybody knows that Absolutely. they can hear that clearly and we're going to get you help. But the point is that's not insane. That's true. Um, but I have basically the same thing, except of course I've got the Cowboys making it, which I don't think it's possible for you to pick that. Um, you know, I don't think it's in your bones. No, right. Not at all. So I love these matchups, right? So, you know, the 49ers versus the Cowboys in that, in that week one is like, I mean, just a throwback. Everybody loves that. That you know, it's visually pleasing. So 49ers, Cowboys, and I've got football team versus the Rams. That seems like a, a a great matchup. I mean, Stafford versus Fitzpatrick and two great defenses. Packers, Seahawks. Come on, Russell Wilson. I mean, right? So I mean, you know, if 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 I'm Nostradamus here, we're in for a great playoff. And, and, you know, of course, the, the winners play and, and and get the Bucks the next week. Just an absolutely fantastic way to look forward to the to the NFL season. Um, you know, my my best guess is the the repeat of last year, which is Bucks versus Chiefs and uh, Chiefs winning it all this year. But, you know, I still like that sort of Chargers as the sleeper in the AFC and Washington football team, baby. Um, you know, if if uh, if Fitzpatrick can get hot in the playoffs, that defense is going to be formidable. So they've got a shot. Um, I know obviously basically anybody in the playoffs has a shot of getting there, but I kind of like football team versus chargers and I know CMFK loves it. I mean, I honestly, like, again, I know they're my division rival, but watching Ryan Fitzpatrick in a super bowl would just be incredible. Yeah. Like if he wins a super bowl, I'd put him in the NFL hall of fame. Right. I mean, I don't even care. The media Tuesday or whatever would just be. Oh, beautiful. Right. Come just on. Beautiful. Yeah. Like even honestly, even like a Tom Brady, Ryan Fitzpatrick like, NFC championship game. Like, love, that would be great. Love that. You get me excited. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the world would be cheering for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no question about it. <laughs> Zero people cheering for like for Tom Brady, except like Tom Brady's wife. And even she would kind of I mean, you look at Fitzpatrick, you know, she'd have she'd have a little bit of a cross eye looking at him. She, You know, absolutely. It. You know, it's true. He'd have the shirt unbuttoned. I mean, no, no doubt. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could could pry Giselle away from Tom. I think it's possible. I, good thing he I, hasn't I tried. Think, yeah, I think if he wanted to, he could. For Easy, sure. right? Yeah. Well, you know, there we are. We figured it all out. 
Um, Michael P. Duncan, this was off the rails for the most part. I think you're going to edit it out to make it sound like we were coherent. I don't know how you're going to do that, but um, what what <laughs> we got to get going, baby. It's it's late. Oh yeah, it is very late right now. But uh, you know, it was a fun time. I love hopping on the mic with you and going through this uh, the entire NFL over the past couple of days. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm uh, glad I got to do it. Yeah, man, it was it was a lot of fun. I think we got a little sh- a little frayed toward the ends uh, because it's a lot to go through each and every team. Uh, we started to sort of omit some teams, but you know, it's a podcast. Nobody really gives a shit as long as it's fun and you guys enjoyed listening. I hope it was. I mean, I tried not to, you know, uh, make fun of Michael P. Duncan too bad. But I definitely gave him as much shit as I could. So uh, I think y'all appreciate that. So I appreciate it. I know. And I love you, brother. You're, you're like my homeboy, and you know that. So you're just the whipping post. That's all it is. I mean, I, what else you want me to do? That's a producer's job. Producer's Fine job. Here. Greatest producer in all the world. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. On behalf of everybody at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody at The Undrafted, on behalf of of the finest producer my money can buy, Michael P. Duncan. I'm Jax Falcone. Peace out.